0: What do time bombs, Shogi, Renpo Etagawa, and Playgirl Magazine have in common? Join us as we find out in the first episode of your new favorite podcast, Sideburns and Cigarettes.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a podcast about a monkey faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. I'm Drew.
2: I'm Jay. I'm Becca.
1: And I'm Chris. Okay, so this is just going to be a podcast where we cover the entire Lupin the Third franchise, well, not the entire franchise, all the animated and live action entries, with some comments on the manga by our co-host Chris. He is our resident manga scholar, so
2: the guru uh, of manga.
1: I guess just to introduce ourselves. I'll just will mention how like we got into the franchise. I came across Lupin literally just walking into a Best Buy and seeing Caliostro and saying, Oh, this is 14 bucks. It looks cute and like a Ghibli movie. And now I'm here, <laughs> hosting a Lupin podcast. How about you, Jay?
2: Well, story, we'll just say that it stems back to 2003 with a bunch of little things in between. And then in 2015, I saw a couple of DVDs at a convention and bought them. Now here
3: I am and Becca well, I started dating drew hey. and then here I am
1: <laughs> I indoctrinated yay her. there was like one day where I was like, you know what I, there's this like thing you know this is kind of like my favorite anime ever <laughs> <laughs> And we watched what did we, we watched Cagliostro it was Calyostro and, and Mamo Mamo and the Goemon movie. Let's pray go money which was a interesting tonal roller coaster. <laughs> oh, i was going to say, that's one hell of
0: a double or a triple feature. Oh yes.
1: Yeah. And uh, Chris, whole spectrum there. How did you get in this here? Yeah,
0: uh, um, I saw a preview for uh, Secret of Twilight Gemini on a Yu Hakusho VHS. And I thought was kind of interesting. And then I then like the next day I saw a ad for part 2 on Adult Swim. And so I decided to check it out and well 16 years later, here I am. Very nice.
4: Okay, well, to get
1: our show started, we're going to discuss some news in the Loop on the Third franchise. Like As many of you may or may not know, there is a new Lupin the Third film coming out this what month was it again? I'm, i should know. This. December. December. December sixth. A- showtime. We're getting Lupin the Third, th- the first, which is a. <laughs> Quite <laughs> the a, name. It's a title.
0: Lupin the <laughs> Third, the movie, the first.
1: I think it would probably sound a lot better if it's you know Lupin Sansei the first. It, co- it I mean rolls a bit better off the tongue.
2: Maybe. I don't think they can do the Western market.
1: <laughs> yeah. But still, though. I don't really still. care about the title because this movie looks amazing. If you haven't seen the trailer, go on YouTube and give it a look. It looks pretty quality. <laughs> it looks <laughs> beautiful. Like, it looks Pixar-like. I'm willing to go that far. Oh, yeah, no. Like a Pixar movie. Like, it's... Because a lot of people were worried because it, I'm amazed that this thing was being developed for three years and, like, no information about it came out at all. Yeah. And then just, like, this year after Goodbye Partner, they're like, oh, yeah, a theatrical project is coming this fall. I mean, I mean th- like, mm. this winter. And that led to this yeah. whole debate of, like, wait, is it the Fujiko movie? But that's in May. It's not quite winter. But we just, like, got that teaser just out of the blue.
3: It really was.
1: It it came out of nowhere. And late at night for us uh, Westerners. It was really late at night. But What, what do we think about this upcoming movie here?
5: Oof.
3: Well, I minutes. thought it looked more like the Peanuts movie and the Captain Underpants movie that came out recently.
1: Which both like, look that, very gorgeous.
3: It's a rubbery animation that I like.
1: It's very rubbery. Like I love that they managed to keep like the really oh, and
0: cartoony
1: that's the
0: good thing. look. It's it's Yeah see Yeah see that that's my thing. It's like I want to see more of this in action because you know, it's like what little bits we've seen so far I think look great in motion. Now I want to see more.
5: Exactly. You know, I
0: wanna I wanna see how far they push, you know, the whole I guess like the uh, I don't know, uh the more uh, freedom of movement that C G animation
5: mm-hmm.
0: you know, might possibly give them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to go, you know, just full Uh, Full ham. (laughs) As as the kids say, yes.
1: (laughs) Full ham. I noticed, like, there are so many, like, golden facial expressions just in that one trailer. Yes, absolutely. Every single second that Zindigod is on screen, he has, like, this gigantic (laughs) grin on his face. Minus that one part where he's yelling. But he's like, and that one little snippet where he's got, like, the handcuff rope, and he's just grinning maniacally. (laughs) And also, like it, it seems like like it could be completely different, but it really seems like he's sharpied on Lupin's face. It <laughs> yes. it does. You know,
2: I, there are some people that have been putting out theories about that, where they're like Lupin in disguise and Zenigata in disguise, like they switch role.
0: Oh snap! Ooh. Now, huh? You know, honestly, that's perfectly in character for both of them.
1: Exactly, it really it is. is.
0: And it's kind of clear that they're going to
1: be working together because there is that, um, uh, there is the, uh, what was it? It's that little segment where they're all running out of like what seems to be a collapsing structure, and Zenigata is running with them.
0: Oh boy! You know, and who doesn't love a good Lupin zenigata team up? I mean,
1: I mean, of course, it's true. It, That's the best team up for. And mm-hmm. that shot in the trailer vaguely reminded me of the end of Fuma conspiracy. Oh yeah. Which is cool, but anything yeah. like UMA, I'm okay with. Minus the voice cast change, but that's a later episode.
0: Yes. I've got some reservations on that one. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to the dub.
1: Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs>
5: no.
0: Somebody change the subject
1: quick. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, 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 I'm hoping... Let's talk about Jigen. G- oh, my goodness. I didn't know how to feel about that immediately. Cause if I it... think a lot of people had a lot of reservations
2: at first, but as a, a more high quality trailer came out cuz mm-hmm. everybody's first initial reaction was based off of someone's uh like video record of the yeah, screen yep. and then when the the more crisp and clear trailer came out people
1: were like well this ain't so bad exactly and like um, uh, if our listeners don't know Jigen's design has been changed quite drastically his beard is much less pronounced. The point is still there. The pointy beard still exists. Yes, But it's a little, it's a little more subtle, subtle. Oh, yeah.
0: Also, I think that is hat is a bit shorter.
1: It is. It's a little more
2: Cagliostro-ish. kind of, yeah.
1: It's a lot more droopier than most of this hat. It is. are. Which, granted, it's okay because I, I love how they managed to capture the perfect balance of like, really intense, like, badass Jigen. But there's that one shot where he doesn't have his hat. His eyes are just wide as hell. His eyes are <laughs> wide and, like, just ever so slightly crossed. Oh, I forgot about that.
0: I'm always a big fan of that. I'm seeing Jigen's eyes. Uh, Jigen's eyes. Me too. Oh, we're going to be seeing a lot of Jigen's eyes later in the show. Yes. I've actually made um, Nice. <laughs> but, but I also really like how in trailer for uh, the first... That's such a weird title. It is. It really is. When we see Jigen Hatless, his hair is slicked back.
2: Oh, yes. yes.
0: I know this is like a big thing for me, but I don't like Jigen with bangs covering his eyes.
2: It, I like it know. in certain instances. It, oh.
0: it it irks me. Fair enough.
5: Fair,
0: definitely yeah, I, fair enough. I think yeah. it goes along with the whole uh, you know old school Chicago mobster vibe he's got.
1: Definitely we don't get a ton of Goemon, but he looks really cool. Very, very
0: pointy chin.
2: He looks very handsome. Let's very put handsome. it
0: that way. Goemon. <laughs> well, let's be fair. It's us Goemon. He, he should always be handsome.
2: That's
1: true. <laughs> this is this
0: agreed. Is that was how Monkey Punch designed him. Damn it.
1: God damn it! <laughs> Boy needs to be handsome. <laughs> He's gotta be hot. <laughs>
0: also, speaking of facial hair, uh, you Lupin. know, Lupin's rocking Lupin. like. A- yeah, like a, a very very faint, soul patch, soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> a peach fuzz.
2: I I was yelling when I saw that.
1: <laughs> I was like, "He, the boy finally hit puberty." <laughs> it took him fifty two years, but he's here. <laughs> it's, it's really like, it's not a design choice I would have made on my own, but I really like it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm not against it. At all.
2: Oh, me neither.
1: And Fujiko sure, I... just looks perfect.
2: Oh, God, yes.
0: Well, again, you know, Fujiko should always look like, fantastic. Exactly.
2: Yeah, And she looks very badass in this. She there really is. uh gives uh, some bad guys uh, a real one-four, you know? Kicks one dude in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Kicks a dude in the face, and then her freeze frame shot in the trailer is so her, like, just going at it with uh, an assault rifle. That's oh, cool. Yeah. It's pretty badass. So, I'm not forgetting any characters that we've covered. Vlupan, Jigen, Fujiko, and Zunigata. And, of course, there's the one off characters, which I am excited to see, but please don't. don't. I don't want to plot focusing on them.
3: A young girl. Oh, speaking of the one off characters.
2: <laughs> the, the, the young girl, the young lady. There's been people. A couple of people came actually up to me in, uh, uh, on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I think that girl's supposed to be like a knockoff ca- uh Claire
0: Reese. Uh Yeah, that's what we need. More Calliostro references.
3: Right. <laughs> yes. Because that's what made I, I'm what, what's I that mean,
0: special?
3: Like, which you know, Red Versus you
0: know, Oh yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, don't get me wrong, I love Caliostro, it's one of my favorites, but please. Please PMS, let it go back to <laughs> yeah.
1: We get it. It was good. It's great. It's amazing, but there's more. There really right. is. It really is. I, they really like buried that with, um, uh, red versus green. It's like okay, yeah. that's enough Caliosta references for about twenty
0: years. Seriously. And then part five happened. And
1: then anyway, part five
0: happened. true. <laughs> Very true. But anyway, uh, I was gonna say like a, uh, uh, the lady in question though, she seems uh, I, don't know, I think she stands out like a little bit, like mm-hmm. stylistically, a bit from the rest of the cast. She kind of yeah, does. A little bit, although not to the extent of the. Uh, second ps2 game <laughs> where oh boy Jenny, oh yeah where got love interest looks like, <laughs> like she stepped out of like a jrpg
2: yeah and, it,
0: and it's hilarious looking at the two of them together
2: <laughs> i remember watching playthroughs of that and i was like wow what a drastic change right there <laughs> right One
0: of these it's like heads. night and day i mean it's like you know we thought it's like the detective conan crossovers were kind of you <laughs> know kind of kinda of clash stylistically it's like you know the ps2 game's like hold on a sec we got this. <laughs>
1: right? We, we can have an even greater disconnect. <laughs> yeah. And then there's um uh, I think we catch one glimpse of the villain who has a very trendy haircut. And that's about it. He does. <laughs> we see him and for some all old dude. Some, for very some old dude. Old dude with pointy hair. Yeah. Lots to go off there. <laughs> Let's <laughs> analyze that guy for five minutes.
0: <laughs> well, um also I don't remember who pointed this out but the fact that Lupin's wearing a, a top hat holding a cane. Yes. And the uh, title of the movie is The First. Yes. Kind of makes me wonder if his grandpa's going to be involved in some
2: I way. Think, I think I cool. think he is. I hope so.
0: I, I don't know if he'll so. actually make an appearance in the movie. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting him to actually like make a physical you know appearance but you know th- you know maybe something involving his legacy or something, mm. who knows.
3: Yeah, right. kind of like Eternal Mermaid.
0: Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Speaking what I'm curious it, about is, uh, sorry. Uh, what I'm curious about is why the hat is so sliced up, if you will.
0: Could be it, a, looks very, it looks pretty. It looks pretty tattered.
2: It does. Could be and,
0: old
2: and not, and not, Well, even like age wouldn't cause those like slice marks. Like it looks like somebody took a
1: knife and cut into this thing. <laughs> Gramps was a little uh, adventurous. Apparently. Oh,
0: that's true. He was.
1: <laughs> Just a wee bit. Or maybe it's really dark and it's the Hattie died in. Uh, oh, oh that, that could be true. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. No, I wouldn't either. I do. I. I think uh, somewhere it was revealed that the plot's going to involve Nazi treasure. Yes, that's what I heard. That'll be interesting. And also, oh my God, there's a dog fight. There's going to be a dog fight somewhere with with going on on a plane with his sword. Yes. I am there for that. Same here. One hundred percent there's that and if you look really close in one of the snippets Lupin is clinging to the top of one of the planes <laughs> oh yeah if you look like really close you see like a little red jacket flapping <laughs> that's gonna be great
0: I was gonna say I feel like the uh, aerial dogfight may be another Miyazaki-esque touch
1: I think that's so true. but of course he's not gonna watch this movie no he's no. gonna he's gonna hear someone mention it and just be very grumpy about it and upset that the franchise is still
0: alive
1: <laughs>
3: That's Miyazaki
0: for you. I was going to say, I feel like it's one of those things, like, what kind of things does Miyazaki like? And you think about it, it's like, I don't think he likes anything. Yeah. They might get him with the planes. It's like, you know, we like him, but I don't think he likes anything.
1: (laughs) We like him, but I don't know if he likes us. It's okay. I I like us. I do. I do too. I I think they, they may get him with the planes, but it might be like, they'd be get him to watch (laughs) it. Yeah, because, like,
0: <laughs> like, wasn't there, like, an aerial dogfight that had to be cut out of Castle Cagliostrum?
1: I think so, because there's that, uh, there is the uh, concept art, like, images of the, them being chased by the, the gyrocopter. Oh, yeah. Because there's right, one where it's, yeah. like, we find in Jigen, like, this vehicle. Jigen's got, like, a giant, like, that 50 cal rifle, and they're being chased by the chopper. So there could have been right, like,
0: like I feel like that was supposed to be during a the escape attempt. Yeah, and like, and like that's when Lupin would have been shot down.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense because there's, uh, there's, of course, like it's well known, like a lot of ideas were cut out.
0: Well, yeah, because the movie was really rushed. But like, I think, uh, yeah, rushed
1: is to... an understatement.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> it was like what four months to make. So it like took
2: seven months to make, seven, about three to four of it was dedicated to animation alone.
0: Man, I, I'm getting exhausted just hearing that. But, yeah. But like, a, yeah, I think it was supposed to be like a, yeah, during the escape attempt from the castle, you know, I think Clarice was supposed to believe that Lupin's dead, and then the Count's men would have come for her mm-hmm. in that shack where, uh, in the final movie, Lupin, you know, is recovering.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Although I'm not quite sure how accurate that information is, but I am kind of excited to actually see you know, something like that concept that was cut out, you know, utilized finally in a movie.
1: That would be and, pretty cool. And realized with an amazing animation, too. Yeah. It's going to look so good. I'm so excited. But moving on, because we could talk about this probably forever.
2: <laughs> oh, God, I really could. <laughs>
1: Other news is that I'm a discotheque's... I oh, <clears throat> almost said a looseness of the fog. Ha uh, <laughs> Disco Takes Eternal Mermaid just (laughs) released on Blu-ray with a brand new dub from Richard Epcar and his team, Mm -hmm. which is, I am so happy that we're getting consistent dubs from the best English cast.
2: I agree.
0: I haven't seen the dub in question, but I also agree. (laughs)
2: Let me tell you, it's
1: actually really good. Because we've also got that part five is still currently running on Adult Swim. It's running at 1230, right? At 1230, Ah. Yes. So that's still going again with the same dub, and it's really good as well. And this September, we've got um, uh, Goemon's Blood Spray. We've got Goemon's Blood Spray finally <laughs> coming to Blu-ray. Finally, with also a new dub from the same team that dubbed um, Jigen's Gravestone. Which thank God we're getting consistent dubs finally.
2: I, I love. Let me. Can I just say, I when I first saw. Jegan's gravestone and its dub. I was blown away because I was not expecting the voices to be what they were. Mm-hmm. It worked so well.
0: I, yeah, they, they really, really did. did.
2: like even even Epcar as uh, uh, Zenigata. It works in a in a strange way. It just works. It kind of it, it does. Obviously, he works best as Jigen, and oh. he even will tell you that for himself. He'll be like the people who said. I, I think it was on Twi- Twitter. He responded to something that I said. And he was just like, some people just don't agree. And I'm just like, trust me, I know. <laughs>
1: it's like he, Jigen is his character. He he is right? the English Jigen.
2: Oh, he really is. And he, he, is. he it's his favorite role in the franchise to play. He's
1: such a natural attitude.
2: He really is. Like, it's basically just his normal
1: voice. It pretty much is. <laughs> Which
2: And F-Kart- that man man has range let me tell you if you, even chris can tell you uh he plays the joker
0: and the joker is a very different voice
5: mm-hmm.
2: oh
0: yeah well i mean you know he's also bobo 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 bobo
1: yeah <laughs> also and totally he's better. fantastic
0: yeah from discotech
1: hey yep. the, the, coming I'm, out the best anime, anime dis- uh, distributor yes they give me that old stuff <laughs> oh yeah they bring back all the goodies all the goodies as far as that goes, I think, I'm hoping that they license Fujiko's Lie soon.
2: Oh, another little note. And one, they already did license it, I think. Oh, yeah, they did, because um, the dub. Oh, God. They, they already did the dub. And also, something that I wanted to point out about Goemon's blood, sp- uh, Goemon's blood spray was the fact that it uh, has Lex Lang as Goemon. Yes. Which is kind of strange because they didn't change his role you know? Just like they they changed both Jigen and Lupin's voice actors, but not Goyamon's. His has been consistent since 2003.
0: It really has. Now, who's uh, Fujiko in that? Is that Christina V?
2: That is Christina V, yes.
0: Okay, yeah, because I mean, she does a spot-on, you know, Michelle Ruff Impression.
2: She does. Which is interesting, considering she does uh, Ami from uh, Part 5.
0: That's true, true, yeah. But I do think, I mean, I, I do think it's really cool, though, that instead of you know, just gave show Rough the a role for Blood Spray, right? Yeah, you know, they're going to get Christina V to do it again,
1: mm-hmm. right? Keeping it
2: consistent. Yeah. I appreciate. Christina V did a uh, like an interview recently regarding her role in Fujiko's oh, Lie, yeah. and she said that it was interesting to see this character in her development mm-hmm. in this in this part of the franchise, and she actually like she feels like she's more
1: relatable in Fujiko's Lie. That's what I've heard. I I need to see it with a translation. Same, because <laughs> I've seen it without.
0: <laughs> I need I need to see it. Period. <laughs>
2: Same
3: here.
0: It looks amazing.
2: It does. It is. I mean, the animation is an upgrade. Oh, pretty uh,
0: much. Really. Oh yeah. Because I I remember uh, you know both Gravesend and thought looked terrific.
2: They did. They did. Uh. I think Fujiko's lie t- uh, pushes the character's uh, expressions a little more.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's always a plus. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, there are there are some goofy faces. Oh yeah, especially from Lupin himself. Oh, of course, it looks it looks really good. I'm hoping they license <laughs> that soon because I need
0: that Blu-ray. Now speaking of Fujiko's lie, uh, is it is it set in the seventies as well?
2: I think so. It seems it like does. it
0: because it like, seems- I know I. I know what the implication was that gravestone and blood spray were.
2: Yes, and I believe this takes place after that, so yes, I believe so. Okay, good. Although, enough. if I recall, there were neon signs, so who knows?
0: because yeah, like I, you know, I've seen that uh, you know, image that you know went around quite a bit of uh, you know, Jigen with the uh, you know, the shades on and the jacket and the yeah and the pink uh t-shirt and I don't know, it kind of gave me like a '80s, 80s vibe, vibe to it. yeah. Advice,
2: Jigen. <laughs> <laughs> but if. Uh, I, I guess this might be for a different episode, but there's a lot of like theories that there might be a another Koika movie coming out uh, that might be just a retelling or a reimagining of
1: Mamo. I'm not going to get into the details, oh, my God. but give, given little things that happen in Fujiko's lie, it really seems like that's going to happen. It's building to something. It's building to something, because there's some reveals, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But it's like, oh, okay. This is what we're doing. <laughs> all right.
0: I mean, I'm I'm really interested to see it myself because I do have some, uh, uh, I don't want to say theories, hypothesis about what these movies are doing. Indeed. Which, I, you know, I know you guys have heard all about those. Oh, sure. And, uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, for the sake of our listeners, I'll just say that it's my uh, – it's my hypothesis that the Fujiko TV series and these movies are serving as prequels and integrals to uh, Part One and uh, Mystery of Mamo.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. that's one of my hypotheses too.
0: Hypotheses. Thank you I to see for that all. happening. <clears throat> yeah, because I, well, I mean, you know, obviously the Fujiko series is a prequel to Part One. Right. And I imagine that a uh, Gravesome Gravestone you know, works as one as well, and.
2: I you would know. almost put uh, Jigan's gravestone after
0: what after part uh, one?
2: Yeah, like right after.
0: I don't know because uh, I mean, like you know, Lupin Jigan's you know uh, rela- relationship relationship in there had to go from being business partners to best friends. Fair
5: yeah, enough. Like,
0: yeah, you know, especially when you consider a part or episode four, of part one. Right. Yeah, you know, with Jigan, uh, you know, trying to or waiting a you know, year for Lupin to bust out of prison.
5: That's true.
2: It's just kind of curious because the the uh, the gravestone said 1973. Yeah, it was was it three? I thought it was two. You I go, I thought it was three. It might have been two, but even so, it was within that realm of like oh, a- yeah. after,
3: you know.
0: Yeah, true. Because part one ended in '72, so right. Nice.
3: but who's to say? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with timelines is in Lupin, it's like. Don't even try.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no consistency. There really isn't.
3: The only
1: consistent <laughs> thing is the characters. At, yeah, at, well, I'm, at, I'm, at their most base. I was going to say even then. True.
5: <laughs>
2: because
1: the characters' because, names. You know, like, because
0: <laughs> you, you know,
2: nearly made me spit out my drink on that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because like you know, you know, like going back to like, the original manga. Uh, you know, Monkey Punch would uh, you know, like, like he was always experimenting with what he could do with these characters, like a. Uh, you know, in the very first chapter, uh, yeah, you know Lupin and Zenigata meet for the first time. Like it's yep. part of the tw- it's part of the twist and the climax that Zenigata does not know what Lupin looks like, right? And then, like, like a year or so later, we see there's a story arc where Lupin's in college, and Zenigata is his classmate. Yep. <laughs> and then there's also uh, early on, it's mentioned that Zenigata's first name is Koichi. Whereas in the story set in college, his name is uh, Heitaro, I think. Something like that.
5: I
2: can't remember, but I have read that chapter. It's been a long time, though, since I've revisited it.
0: Yeah. But, you know, and then there's also things about, uh, you know, Lupin's, uh, like, I feel like there's like an implication early on that our hero isn't actually the descendant of Arsene Lupin. He's just kind of pretending to be. hmm
2: or at least took the name. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. But then, you know, we also see flashbacks to when he was a teenager, and we see that Arsene Lupin actually raised him. Right. After his dad's uh, supposed death. Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and then Arsene Lupin dies when Lupin's a teenager. but And then uh, near the end of the original manga series, there's a chapter where Lupin III meets both his father and his grandfather again. Right. So, so you know, uh, consistency is... You know, never been a uh, strong priority in this franchise.
1: No. Shaky ground. Shaky. <laughs> Shaky at best. <laughs>
3: earthquake at worst.
1: True. <laughs> Big earthquake. <laughs> but moving on, we're going to move straight to a segment recorded by our co-host who could not be here tonight because he is currently in Switzerland, which is which trying to work out the schedules because I do want to have him on the show live at some point. But we're going to defer the podcast to our co-host, Guillaume. I said that right, right? I hope so. I hope I said his name right. I think you did. We can ask him later. All right. If worst comes to once you re-record that part. <laughs> you know, that will be just fine. <laughs> and uh, Guillaume is going to uh, inform us on the literary history of the character. So take it away.
4: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the trivia section of our episode. So, as the name implies, I will talk to you about, um, you know, little bits of trivia uh, about the franchise that we are covering, uh, namely Lupin the Third. I do apologize for my hesitation. This is the first time I ever do any podcasting. Um, But I hope that you will enjoy it nonetheless. So today, for our first episode, of course, we are going back to the beginning, at least in the beginning of the animated adaptations of Lupin III, namely the 1969 pilot film, uh, which was meant to be uh, originally the start of an actual full series, and it will eventually, with uh, part one in 1971-72, with a lot of changes, especially in terms of design and mood. Uh, But now we are going back to the very beginning. Uh, How did it all come about? So you see, at the beginning, there's the manga, the original manga published in uh, Weekly Action Manga magazine by Monkey Punch, uh, real name Kato Katsuiko, who sadly passed away this year uh, at the age of 81. The idea behind Lupin III was a parody, a parody of the original uh, Maurice Leblanc novels, you know, uh, Arsène Lupin, uh, created in July 15, uh, 1905, uh, and serialized in the, the Je sais tout magazine. Uh, Je sais tout means I know everything in French, so you, you see the, the level of uh, pride of the publication. And originally, um, Arsène Lupin was meant to be the French answer to the British Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, Even though uh, Maurice Leblanc said that he was um, more closely inspired by the real figure uh, François de Vidocq, uh, who was, um, uh, how could you say, Um, he inspired a lot of literary figures uh, for, uh, for example, uh, for um, Balzac, uh, French writer, uh, and he was the real first detective, the first private detective in history. Uh, he was um, a gangster, more or less uh, a criminal, uh, a small, uh, you know, a small bit criminal. Uh, he went to prison, and then when he got reformed, he actually became head of the police department in Paris. And so uh, his adventurous life inspired Maurice Leblanc um, to create Arsène Lupin uh, who, like his grandson, is, uh, you know, uh, very much uh, a ladies man uh, who loves to uh, do eccentric capers, uh, laughs uh, at the face of uh, police, order, the law uh, and he is a master of disguise. but uh what is true also is that the uh you know his grandson upon the third by monkey punch is really more like a, a mock you know um uh he's lecherous, uh, he's clumsy uh and he he's a cartoon really so you you mix all those different influences you know uh uh old uh crime and mystery literature uh with cartoon sensibilities and of course the um uh, Um, the mad magazine, you know, uh, uh, with this um, uh, great tradition of satire. So that's how the manga originally came about in 1967. In 1969, so when the pilot film was um, being produced, the original run of the manga was ending. So the characters were more or less solidified at that point. And what I will do is that I will uh, take you back to the influences behind the main characters that we see appear in the pilot film. Uh, And I will do this in order of appearance in the pilot film. Uh, So we will start, of course, with Inspector Zenigata that we see playing Mahjong uh, with Lupa on the phone. Um, Inspector Zenigata, even though, physically speaking, he looks more like Dick Tracy or uh, a noir detective, um, his name comes from Zenigata Heiji. Um, Yes, uh, I do apologize. Uh, Since I'm reading from um, sources, uh, I might uh, pronounce, you know, I might call the characters uh, the Japanese way, meaning their family name uh, in front of their given name. So I do apologize for the confusion. Uh, So Zenigata Heiji was created by Kodo Nomura uh, in 1937. 1937, wow. (laughs) That was, you know, a few years before World War II. Uh, Takes you back. And who is this Zenigata Heiji, really? Well, he's he's a cop, you know, he's a policeman. Uh, At the time, we called them Okapiki. Uh, and he, of course, becomes the star of uh, many novels and films and even TV programs that are still made to this day. Um, he He's a um, cop from the Edo period. So the Edo period is this um, uh, very um, uh, legendary and famous uh, time period in Japan's history uh, from 1603 to 1868. So you see, that's That's quite a a lot of time, you know, it's uh, two centuries. Um, And, of course, things were a bit different back then in terms of uh, how to apprehend criminals. And so uh, Zenigata... Sorry. Zenigata Hage's trick was to throw coins at criminals on the run. Yes, you heard me. Throwing coins. Uh, And that should, you know, that should ring a bell. Because uh, Zenigata, you know our our inspector Zenigata from Lupin the Third, is very well known from uh, his great accuracy at throwing um, handcuffs at criminals, mainly Lupin. Um, and it comes from this. Even though in the manga he didn't have any special gifts, uh, or maybe one one or two times, and it's only in the second. Uh, manga series Shin Lupin III uh, in 1977, uh, where he gets uh, more, you know, recognizable abilities of uh, throwing handcuffs. Uh, and speaking of coins, uh, you know how do you, you do? You know how you say coin in Japan? A zeni <laughs> So that's why the the you know the literary literary uh, model of Inspector Zenigata, Zenigata Heiji. It's called Zenigata. Then we come to our main dish, Lupin III. Well, I told you already quite a lot uh, about his origin, uh, namely that he is, um, you know, modeled after uh, Maurice Leblanc's Arsène Lupin. A funny thing about Arsène Lupin is that he does meet a uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, simile, uh, actually, again, a parody of Sherlock Holmes called Herlock Cholmès. <laughs> uh, because, you see, the French really did not have any chill when it came to mocking the British at the time. Uh, and Arthur Conan Doyle did not really like <laughs> Maurice Leblanc's joke. Uh, but it, it becomes quite a tragic story, at least in the um, Arsène Lupin's novels, Because in one of them, the most famous one, The Hollow Needle, um, Herlock Sholmes, namely Sherlock Holmes then, um, shoots at Arsène Lupin's fiancée and she dies. And afterwards, the character will not be as uh, innocent and cheerful uh, as before. It it, it will really be a, a change in tone for the series. Uh, A series that will feature 17 novels, 39 novellas, and also a few theatre plays. And after Maurice Leblanc's death, uh, many years after, uh, there will be a few writers taking over the series for a while, Uh, namely um, Boileau-Narsejac. Behind those names were actually two people, Mr. Boileau and Mr. Nasserjac. Uh, who wrote in the 1970s kind of a follow-up to Arsene Lupin. Also, you might uh, have noticed if you know uh, if you already know Lupin III, that there has been quite a lot of um, alternative names, uh, you know Cliffhanger, uh, Wolf, uh, and in France, uh, he was called for a long time uh, he was known as Edgar de la Cambriole. <laughs> Uh, what a silly name uh, that's because uh, the Maurice Leblanc's estate um, would not allow Lupin Third to be named as such uh, when being localized in Europe uh, especially in France so they had to change his name and backstory a bit uh, but it changed it changed relatively recently like in the middle in the mid 2000s uh, and now Uh, technically they can use the real name of Lupin III, so uh, the new DVD releases uh, of Lupin III uh, are available in France under their real name, under his real name. Then we come to Jigen Daisuke. Jigen Daisuke is a bit of a conundrum because he's not really inspired by any precise literary figure that you can really uh, pinpoint. He's more of an archetype. He's more of a a throwaway cliche at first. Uh, Of course, later, thanks to the anime, uh, he will um, grow into his own character. Um, Many sources say that he was inspired by James Coburn's character in The Magnificent Seven, Which is quite ironic, ironic really, because um, in this movie, Coburn is uh, a knife thrower, not a marksman, really. (laughs) The only time he shoots, uh, he technically misses his original target. Uh, He's also kind of a mishmash of gangster uh, clichés and um, cowboy uh, tropes, so he's... Is kind of the uh, super Western character in the series, and yeah, he's he's mostly defined by his marksmanship. And you 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 already notice this in the pilot film, uh, where most of his uh, presentation, you know, his introduction uh, is focused on his gun abilities. Uh, an, an interesting thing that we will go back, I think, in our Um, you know, our coming episodes is that his relationship with Lupin uh, was modeled uh, after a movie, uh, you know, where Alain Delon uh, and Charles Bronson are um, our buddies. And that that was one of the main inspirations behind their uh, relationship dynamic. Uh, But that is for another time. Now we should go back to the pilot film, and go on to our fourth character Mine Fujiko Fujiko Mine She is also kind of a troublesome character to to define in terms of origin because she was not one character in the manga In the manga, uh, originally at least for the, the first year or so uh, she was more of a nickname given to several different women. uh, Different archetypes as well. Well, most of them were femme fatales, you know, who who would seduce men uh, and then rob them or kill them uh, in order to get what they wanted. And Lupin is generally the one who tries to defeat them. Um, Sometimes he succeeds and sometimes he doesn't. Uh, One thing that's always, you know, uh, uh, there is Uh, Fujiko's uh, famous breasts you know and their size and for the longest time many people thought that Fujiko Mine was a play on words uh, meaning twin peaks you know two mountains uh, in reference to her breasts the reality is it seems by translating the uh, Japanese Wikipedia page is that she she comes from um her name, Mine, comes from Monkey Punch's favourite cigarette brand, which was Mine, uh, and also a painting of Mount Fuji itself by Yokoyama Taikan, which was a who was a very famous painter at the time uh, in terms of landscape. And it seems to be everything behind that name. So is that everything that can be said about Mine Fujiko? That she was just inspired by Mount Fuji and a brand of cigarettes? Well, maybe not. It's, um, her relationship with Lupin, you know, that kind of uh, uh, on-and-off, uh, rival, love interest, sexual uh, attraction, and at the same time treachery uh, relationship, uh, was inspired by one of Monkey Punch's most uh, un. Predictable tastes in French swashbuckling novels, you know, uh, like Les Trois Mousquetaires, The Three Musketeers by Alexandre Dumas. And Mino Fujiko seems to be inspired by Milady. Uh, and Milady was Cardinal Richelieu's henchwoman and also uh, D'Artagnan's nemesis. And so she had that kind of ambiguous relationship with uh, D'Artagnan. And so this dynamic was also implemented in the manga. And that's why in the pilot film, in her introduction, she is hard to define. She is many things. Is she a spy? Is she a thief? Is she a murderess? Uh, she wear <laughs> she she has a very large guard robe uh and that also could be you know a reference to the fact that for the longest time she was not a single character uh but more more like the uh, mysterious female archetype uh, Thankfully she you know grew into her own as well and then we are reaching the moment where we can talk about our favorite samurai, Goemon Ishikawa. Ishikawa Goemon. <laughs> it's funny, because he comes mm, relatively late into the um, original manga, like the 23rd or 29th chapter, um, and it seems to have been through the influence of ...of a fan who asked Monkey Punch to, um, you know, to make his manga, for lack of a better word, more Japanese. You know, to to feature a more decidedly Japanese character. And so he decided to uh, give uh, a descendant to the real-life figure of Ishikawa Goemon, born in 1558, her dead on October 8, 1594. I say real figure, but really we don't know much about the original Ishikawa Goemon. Uh, so he's almost mythical in a way. And he he became uh, kind of a legendary figure. Uh, and he was also featured in literature or in theater. That's why also uh, our uh, Ishikawa Goemon thirteenth uh, likes theater so much. <laughs> uh, is that there's a, a big... Uh, theatre element in the original Goemon story. He was a thief. Uh, Precisely, he stole gold and he would give it to the poor. Again, we don't know if it's uh, part of the legend, or if he was a real Japanese Robin Hood, but that's how he he is remembered. But sadly, um, he tried too much. And he tried to assassinate uh, a warrior, a warlord, more precisely, Toyotomi Hideyoshi. Uh, It was during uh, the time in Japan where uh, it was divided into um, different states who were going at war with each other. And so uh, Goemon uh, tried to assassinate one of those. Uh, I guess uh, he was... Uh, hired by another warlord. And sadly, he failed. And so his punishment was quite severe. He was boiled alive along with his son. Yeah. Yeah, that burns, doesn't it? And so our, you know, our friendly Ishikawa Goemon uh, Thirteenth is introduced as... A master assassin uh, who wants to kill Lupin III. And that might surprise some of you because you you know Goemon as one of Lupin's best friends. One of his greatest allies. Um, But in the beginning of the manga, there are rivals. And at first, Lupin III is trying to steal Goemon's, you know, um, uh, impervious blade formula. Uh, And he actually fails. And then, Goemon tries to kill Lupin III as retaliation. And also because his uh, masters, his sensei, uh, ask him, ask him to, to finally put an end to Lupin's fievery. Uh, but see, since Goemon always fails to do so, he decided to join him. You know, uh, if you can't kill them, join them. And that's how their friendship came to be. And finally, a character that we do not see, well, at least not in this form, in any other production of the Lupin the Third franchise, Akechi Kogoro. Detective Akechi is actually the closest we can get of a Sherlock Holmes uh, equivalent for Japanese literature. He was created by Edogawa Ranpo, uh, who's a pseudonym, of course, his real name was Taro Hirai, but he was inspired directly uh, by Sherlock Holmes, uh, because um, Edogawa Ranpo, whose pseudonym actually comes from Edgar Allan Poe, so Ranpo's uh, big legacy to the Japanese literature was implementing a lot of Western sensibilities and elements and mix it with the Japanese setting. So um, most of uh, Akechi Kogoro's adventure take place in uh, in Tokyo. At first he's dressed in traditional Japanese garbs and then he adopts a more Western uh, suit and tie outfit. He is a brilliant but very eccentric detective, like Holmes was, uh, and he works with the police. He has uh, a band, you know, a group of, uh, of um, amateur detective boys, the Boy Detectives Club, who helps him, you know, uh, doing some errands, uh, interviewing suspects and witnesses and gather information, like the Baker Street Irregulars uh, in Sherlock Holmes. In those stories, uh, apart from the um, you know general uh, detecting stuff and sleuthing around, you have a lot of erotic and even uh, morbid element. Because another thing that Edogawa Ranpo is known for is he's kind of a father of the eroguro genre, the erotic, grotesque genre in Japan, uh, which... Um, is a mixture of eroticism and horror, bizarre and grotesque. So, you know, not really kid stuff. But that doesn't seem to fit the old uh, detective uh, with uh, white hair covering his eyes that we see in the pilot film. Well, that's because um, Akichi in the Lupin the Third franchise only appears in the very first chapter of the manga, you know, the uh, Arrestation. That's because Akechi Kogoro only appears in the original chapter of the manga, you know, the very first chapter. He apprehends Lupin, he uh, uncovers his true identity, because Lupin the Third during this uh, whole first chapter is under disguise, and he takes him into custody. Not Zenigata, who's actually quite incompetent in the first chapter. And he always gets hang- angry, and uh, which is quite like in the pilot film, really. He's, you know, he's the butt of a joke. But Akeji, uh symbolises uh, a more wise and astute um, police force, a true detective. But at the same time, the old, you know, the old generation. Lupin, you know, uh, sexy, dangerous, uh, a bit mad, uh, and nonsensical, uh, and totally not serious, represents kind of the avant garde, you know. Uh, the manga was made during, you know, the late 60s, so of course, even in Japan, you had a youth movement, you had uh, a revolution, a counterculture movement, and Lupin III r- represented that. And Akechi, in a way, represents the granddad who um, looks at his uh, grandchildren and say, well, now's your turn. Times have changed. I shall go. Because just like uh, the original Akechi Kogoro is, Edogawa Rampo, the author, was the pillar, you know, the first stone in that kind of literature in Japan. And then... You know, you have to uh, reinvent things, you have to renew yourself, you have to uh, go and get with the times. And that's what it's all about. And I think I'm finished with my first trivia session. I would like to thank you for, (laughs) you know, for bearing with me, with my hesitation and uh, and my stuttering. Uh, And, of course, with my um, very fluctuating accent, you know, I'm not a native speaker. uh, And so I do promise to improve uh, both my recording and, you know, the content of my trivia sessions. And I hope to see you very soon. And remember, stay lupontic, folks. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's a pretty intriguing history lesson there. Thanks, Guillaume. All right, so I guess now we move on to the subject of today's episode, the 1969 pilot film, and uh, we'll do a little uh, synopsis of the plot here. Uh, hmm, <laughs> plot. I, got this. I say with the most uh, generous term, except when it comes to Fuji. Okay. True. This True. Is, there's not necessarily a plot
0: in this. A bunch of cool stuff. A bunch of cool stuff happens. It, it basically yeah. serves as a introduction for the characters. It really it's does. A, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a proof of concept for a, uh, you know, potential film series. So, yeah.
1: I think what had happened was, is like, um, uh, there was an animator, um, uh, Gisaburo Sugi, who was interested in the idea, but TMS at the time didn't quite have the resources to produce such a like big theatrical project. So they just made the twelve minute pilot film because it was a lot more feasible to make. And they right. could shop it around to different producers and see who would want to, even though nobody bought it.
0: Yeah. But just think, though, like, there's an alternate universe out there where this did get picked up as a film series instead of as, you know, various TV series.
1: I want to see that universe because that'd be very interesting.
0: Yeah. It would be very interesting. I don't know if it'd be, you know, better than ours, but I'd, because I'm still incredibly happy with what we got. It's oh, just, yes. What if, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: I'd, it I'd, makes I'd really... you wonder. It makes you wonder if, uh, like, if that alternate universe. Where it's a film series, how long that uh, franchise would have existed.
0: Right, yeah, and then uh, thats true. You know, I mean, like with Studio Ghibli, have gotten started. Who because, knows? Because you know Miyazaki, you know, kind of got in with uh, you know, part one.
1: Right. Yeah, but yeah, both he and Takahata, like. Yeah, yeah. was like the first big collab- collaboration, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Right, and then of course you know being, you know Miyazaki's uh, directorial debut.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, You're right. It may have led to him like not <laughs> getting involved
0: at all. Right, and then you know it's also like you know the vo- uh, the voice actors we've come to know and love, and you know what would have happened with you know with them. Oh, like, exactly. You know what what direction would you know Yasu Yamada's career have gone? <laughs> in, for example, if you know he didn't get to play Lupin the Third in Part One, <laughs> that would have been really sad. <laughs> it would have been. <laughs> okay, so maybe that maybe the alternate universe isn't all good, but. <laughs>
1: There's interesting parts of it, <laughs> yeah. But also, while this uh, short was being, was being shopped around, scripts and treatment were also being scripts and treatments were also being written for it. And I think one involved Lupin was a a, a hippie in Shinjuku before he became a
0: thief. <laughs> that would have been very interesting. Okay, see, I want to visit that alternate universe. That Say, definitely. that'd be a
3: cool
0: I, one. I would like to. I would like to watch that movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, the studio, the the team studied Monkey Punch's style very much in detail.
0: And it shows. It really does. It's it's almost like spot on for uh, Monkey Punch's late 60s style.
1: Yeah.
2: It, including the influence of American cartoonist Mort Drucker. Oh,
0: yes. I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't think it has a real anime look to it at all. It does, Not at all. Which, which is what I really, you know, obviously I really appreciate that about it.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I like, think I'm that's
2: a... what drew me to the series in the first place. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah
0: totally. It's like, like I, I admit, I'm not particularly familiar with much '60s anime aside from Astro Boy and Speed Racer.
2: Speed Racer for me.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love both those. But like, you know, those are TV series. This is a you know theatrical proof of concept. You know, and I don't know, it's just you know, it, it looks very different from anything I've. You know, I'm I'm used to seeing from that time period. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's very different. And and like the, I I love that because of it.
1: Oh, definitely. Me
0: too.
1: And speaking Man, of the... I
0: am just going to say, like, you know, j- you know uh, just getting a quick consensus, uh, we all love the pilot film, right? Oh, yes. 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 Okay. All right, great. All right, carry on.
1: And speaking of that, look, this uh, special was animated by, I'm going to butcher these names, so I apologize to all four of these gentlemen. It was animated by Gisaburo Sugi, Yasuo Otsuka, Sutomu Shib- Shibayama, and Osamu Kobayashi. Now, Sugi worked on astro boy uh, he also worked later on he worked on glass mask night on the galactic railroad street Fighter 2 the animated movie as well as the eighth lupon tv special the secret of the twilight gemini
2: and he uh he's the reason this uh pilot was brought into uh question like I it says <laughs> he he's the one that suggested it to another to uh to utah or wait I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Yutaka Fujioka, the founder of Tokyo Movie. Okay. Now TMS. Oh, yes. Sugi was the whole reason this uh, pilot film even came
1: to fruition. Indeed. Thank you, Sugi. (laughs) Yes. pretty much owe this entire franchise, the entire anime franchise to him. Yeah, basically. And, of course, Yasuo Otsuka, the other animator, he... Of course, worked on, uh, I'm going to butcher this, I'm just going to say the uh, English title this was given, it was The Tale of the White Serpent, which was the first anime feature film in color. Oh. And he also worked with Hayao Miyazaki on Horace Prince of the Sun, the wonderful, oh no, Takahata directed Horace Prince of the Sun. And, uh, and he also worked on The Wonderful World of Puss in Boots. Yes. He did um, uh, animation work on the Moomin TV series, which the director of this, who which we'll get to, uh, worked on as well. Yes. He worked on, let's see, I'll go through these pretty quickly. He uh, worked on Panda Go Panda, Future Boy Conan, which were both Miyazaki works. Now in the Lupin the Third franchise, he was the animation director on Part One. He was the supervising director on Mystery of Mamo, which is interesting. He's a key animator on three episodes of Lupin the Third Part Two. He was the character designer and animation director on the Castle of Cagliostro, Supervisor on the plot of the Fuma Clan. He's also cited as the mechanical designer on a Napoleon's Dictionary, that TV special. Interesting. I think his most recent work was the eye-catch illustration for Elusiveness of the Fog. Ha. Huh. So he had a lot of connections with Miyazaki and was pretty involved in the franchise for a long time. Yeah. It's
3: weird because all of those entries are so different from each other.
1: Oh, very different. It's so strange to me that he was the character designer. For Kaliostra, but also the supervising director of Mamo. Like, those are, like, two sides of the same coin. Exactly. Let's see, and then, of course, uh, Tsutomu Shibayama. He directed a lot of Doraemon. He directed the entire 1979 original TV series, and he directed 22 Doraemon films after that.
0: Good grief. Let's go say like, that original series has, like, a... It has like a billion episodes, right? I mean, that's... Yes. So he was the Doraemon man. (laughs) Yeah, that's quite a feat.
1: So he was also the animation director on a few episodes of Moomin. He worked on Tensai Bakabon and The Gutsy Frog. He's an animator on the 1988 Osamatsu-kun series. And he also directed... Oh, he directed the first season of Ron Mahath. And in the franchise, the only thing he worked on in Lupin later was he was the designer... uh, He was the director of layout and design for The Mystery of Mama that's interesting and then Osama Kobayashi he was also an animation director on the Moomin TV series he served as an animation director on Attack Number One he worked on Night, of, Night on the Galactic Railroad as well oh and he also worked on the Street Fighter 2 movie he directed Magical Angel Creamy Mommy that's, <laughs> a, that's a title <laughs> that sure is and a half hey <laughs> <laughs> he also directed the romantic comedy series Kimaguri Orange Road and it's Shonen Jump Special and the only work he had in Lupin after that was he was a key animator for episodes one and five of Part One, and that was it. So he didn't have too much involvement in the franchise afterwards. You see, the music of the uh, the pilot film was done by Norio Maeda. Now he didn't really do much anime after this. The only other things he composed were uh, the Three Tales anthology, see the Three Tales anthology special, Crusher Joe the movie, Likachen Fushigina Fushigina Yuina, Monogatari. That's a title also yeah and he's also and a most, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but he's more notably known as a jazz musician and pianist he also uh has a band called uh the windbreakers which, <laughs> um uh that's, very, that's a very unfortunate name for a band i'm sure they're amazing but <laughs> the windbreakers <laughs> the really interesting tidbit with him is that he was a co-composer on the 1982 audio drama adaptation of Yasuko Yasuko Ayo, I I am gonna sure this person's name. I apologize. <laughs> he was a co-composer on a 1982 audio drama adaptation of Yasuko Aouike's manga from *Iroica with Love*. Now he was a co-composer with none other than Yuji Ono, who yeah. in Part Two of Lupin direct, uh, composed the iconic Lupin the Third theme, which is still
0: being used today. It's all connected. Really it really
2: is,
1: is. Can, can, <laughs> I, can I
2: point out another little connection of course to the current uh, Lupin dub cast uh, who is which is usually being co-directed by both Ellen and Richard Epcar mm-hmm. Ellen Stern was on Chips which Yuji did music for
1: ah yes he did, he, uh, I think for the, uh, the Japanese release he did a few mm-hmm. tracks which is really cool It is. Which, if you haven't listened to that, go on YouTube and search Yuji Ono Chips. You will not be disappointed. Not at all.
0: Okay, now we have to connect all these people to Kevin Bacon.
1: Somehow. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, there actually were legitimate connections. (laughs) Yeah, me either. But then we get to the director of this pilot film, who was none other than Masaki Osumi, who worked on, I believe it was Moomin. He worked on some of that. Yes. Not sure there was much else of note that he worked on,
2: aside Not from Not too much. I mean, he did a few of other things. He did do some stuff for, of course, the the first uh, Lupin series. Oh, yes. And uh, orders to assassinate Lupin in 1993.
1: Yeah, of course, he was the director of the first, was it the first seven episodes? Uh, d- 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 I think so. I think it was, the first, it was the first seven episodes or so of part, of part one, and he was promptly fired off of that show, but that's another story for when we get into part one, next episode.
0: Yep. It's kind of a sad story, really. It really it, is. It is.
1: But it is really nice that they eventually brought him back to do the it, the Orders to Assassinate Lupin or Voyage to Danger special. Correct. Which is actually a really interesting special. We need to wait until we get to that episode, but it's interesting because his dark tone kind of carried over to that, which is really nice. It is. But moving on, we get to the pilot film itself. Ah, uh, well, it's really just a series of vignettes. It's not much. even a
3: series of vignettes.
1: It's just vignettes. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of serves just to, like, introduce you to all the characters, and that's the plot. Yeah, basically, I mean, the the most you get
2: out of a plot is they're in a mansion surrounded by police, and Goemon helps uh or uh, tries to help the police by entering the house to kill Lupin.
0: Yep.
3: And Lupin vaguely mentions someone trying to kill him.
0: Yeah. Now the uh, the whole climax with the uh, mansion, including uh, you know, Lupin's escape and getting uh, Jigen and Fujiko out. Yes. Comes from chapter fifty eight of the original manga, which is known as "Risky Emptiness in Japanese and "Camera Tricks" in the uh, English edition. Hmm. And uh, of course, you know that whole story is adapted uh, much more faithfully later on in part one.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's all connected.
0: Yeah. It truly is. Also, I uh, I feel like pointing out that the uh, the opening bit with guys in trench coats and machine guns, it's oh, yes. not really connected to anything, except I think it's to serve the, uh, it's kind of like to tell the uh, audience on this being an adult, you know, yeah. skewing uh, production. Mm-hmm.
3: This is like the because, darkest like, thing in the short. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which I mean, like from my, I mean from my understanding, there wasn't a whole lot of anime back then that you know skewed toward an older audience.
2: No, Lupin kind of paved the way for that. Right. It's and also, so, you
1: know... it's also a reason why this didn't do so well because none of the executives at TMS wanted. They were kind of put off by like the violence and the sexuality, and they were like, eh, we're not going to make this a film.
0: Yeah, and then I feel like that's also you know what led to changing the guard when Part One got going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because uh, you know, Osumi. You know, continued some of these themes. You know, in his episodes of Part One, and, you know, which caused uh, Miyazaki and Takahata to come on to, uh, you know, retool it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that opening scene, let's just start from the beginning of this thing and just do our play-by-play review of it. So we start with the opening scene of random guy just kicking the door down and shooting at something. Not sure who yeah. or what.
0: Yeah, there's there's really no narrative point.
1: They're not really. <laughs> you'd be shooting at someone; they're most definitely dead. I think.
0: Well uh, I would hope. I don't know, it like this shot gets remade in episode two of part one where we do see who they're shooting at.
1: That's right. true. And he is very much okay. <laughs> yep. Let's see, so we transition from that it's really just a tone setter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, like I said it's it's just to sell this on being a more, you know, adult production.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we kinda just go straight to the Shogi game with Zinnigata, <laughs> which is which a oh, really it's so much
0: fun. <laughs> <laughs> now I the, kind uh, of that like
3: that dark the... opening scene, and then just shogi.
0: <laughs> now the whole bit with the uh, shogi game comes from a manga chapter as well, called uh, Triple Play, where, uh, where I mean, it opens up with uh, Zenigai playing shogi with Lupin over the phone, and uh, I think he ends up losing. Huh. And that, and, uh, at the same time, it also, like, I'm I'm not sure why, because it's like, you know, fairly late. Or it's chapter fifty six of the series, so mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not one of the early ones, but. For some reason, though, this chapter is introducing the characters to us. Like, in the uh, English version, of, you know, Jigen and Goemon come out, and there's, like, these little captions next to them saying, Daisuke Jigen, Lupin's right-hand man. Goemon Ishikawa, Lupin's left-hand man. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you have Fujiko Mine, easy to love, hard to trust. When they cut to the Shogi game, Inspector Zenigata cares more about catching Lupin than he does sex. <laughs> uh, and then... uh you know, when we cut the Lupon laughing his ass off over the uh, shogi game on the phone, it says Lupin the third. No introduction necessary. So the uh, so yeah, you know this pilot kind of does a similar thing with the freeze frames.
1: and speaking of uh, Zinigata, um, it's interesting. In obviously, actually, we haven't mentioned it yet. There's two versions of this pilot film. There's the theatrical version, and then the standard, kind of like formatted for TV version. It it was formatted for TV. Yeah.
2: Because it, it kind of failed in the film mm-hmm. and went like on and just they, they adapted it for television like a year after it, it never went on
1: uh, it never went and got sold you know mm-hmm. and uh, the f- theatrical version of this short Zenigata is voiced by Shinsuke Chikaisuki who really hasn't worked on a ton he's worked on The Boy and the Beast he's been in the Princess Knight TV series and, that's re- and Monster he was in the series Monster now in the TV version he is voiced by Chikao Otsuka, who went on just a few years later to be Goemon in part one, mm-hmm. which is really interesting, and also returned as Goemon in the 2013 Lupin Family All-Stars, not as Goemon, he returned in the Lupin Family All-Stars OVA as Iron Mask, which was a nice little nod to his uh it was. previous stint as Goemon. Indeed. Let's see, So we have the Shoki Games and the got it. I just lost my notes. Let's pull them back up. My laptop is disagreeing with me. <laughs> and one thing oh, is... Notes. That's really different with the two versions. Zinigata is so much more expressive and crazed in the theatrical version. His voice is a little more high-pitched, which is... Interesting. Interesting choice for Zenigata. It, it really is. Especially after being used to uh, Goronaya. Yep. Yeah, once you're used to Goronaya and, and Koichi Yamadera, you hear Shinsuke and you're like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, if we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we're working two octaves higher.
0: No. <laughs> okay. Also, doesn't the uh, pilot film refer to him as uh, Hey, G's in a guy of the seventh?
1: Yes, it does. More All of right. that great it, consist- consistency.
0: Yeah. I also like the bit where uh, as he goes running out the door, he slams the door <laughs> behind him. Yeah. And the door and the door pops open, and we see a, an officer standing there completely dazed.
1: <laughs> he, he's dazed, and then has to be pushed along by the other <laughs> officer. <laughs> 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 Because <laughs> what happened, like, the door slams and it opens back up and you see this guy stumbling backwards. <laughs> Just kind of like, mean, it's,
0: uh. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it's such a great, you know, slapstick gag. I can totally see it happening in the manga.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. So he runs out the door. Uh, before he runs out the door, though, he sees uh, Lupin Third supposedly in a phone booth. Because Lupin has switched out his uh, Shogi key, shogi tablets. I'm not quite sure what they Peace, are. Chess piece, I guess? I think <laughs> so. Shogi piece. Look at me, cultured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. So he runs outside to see Lupin, and what a surprise. Lupin's gone. All that's left is a dangling phone. And another showpiece. Right in the little change slot. Yeah, but of course, the guy is very unhappy with this, so he just, he just throws it down in anger, which then promptly explodes. <laughs> Leaving I- him, of course, unscathed, but the bottom half of his clothes are gone, with the exception of his boxers. Of course.
0: It's another great little cartoony slapstick gag.
1: It really is. Like it sets the top. It's funny how that opening like scene is so dark, but there's not really other dark moments. Like any super dark moments, minus that machine gun firing bit. Because then we just get straight to cops getting hit by doors <laughs> <laughs> and exploding shogi pieces. To which, of course, Lupin hears all of this over the phone. And, and just laughs starts,
2: his ass off. He
1: laughs like a maniac. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it starts like a little giggle and then it just becomes like maniacal after. Kicking his legs and everything. Oh, God, I love the freeze frame. Or just oh, me freeze. too. <laughs> right. He's just covering his face and his legs are just up in the air. <laughs> yeah.
0: you know, I, I kind of like how, you know, most of the other characters get like a, like a cool action shot. Mm-hmm. You know, like going on his unsheathing a sword. You know Fujiko's posing with a playing card and a knife. Jigen's uh, twirling his Magnum on his finger, and Lupin just has his head back howling with laughter. Yep. Yep. It. You know. Yeah. You know, from a characterization standpoint, I think that's perfect. Oh yeah, definitely. Agreed. And then, of course, you know, Zenigasa freeze frame has him uh angrily throwing the uh, shogi board off his desk.
1: Very on brand.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: And one thing I noticed, Lupin in both versions of the pilot has a much more devious and kind of sinister laugh than Yasu Yamada and Kenichi Kurita would eventually have. It's a lot more, not quite mean-spirited, but it's much more devious. It is.
0: I, I wonder if that's because of, a, just like the overall tone of, the, of this pilot seems to be that uh, they're really trying to sell us on the characters being, you know, criminals, yeah, but, also right. really, yeah. but also really super cool. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, you know, these aren't good people. No, but man they're, man, but man, they're stylish
2: <laughs> I love the, they I, look love good the doing it. I love the uh, the the shot that we come up to uh, where Lupin's walking towards the camera and he keeps changing outfits Oh,
1: I have oh my goodness <laughs> we don't even see that <laughs> as the narrator says I love the uh, translation on the discotheque DVD the first thing is here comes the funky dude it's Lupin the third yeah <laughs> well I mean he's not wrong oh of course and then before that segment hits um, uh, we have uh, the two voice actors for Lupin in this special it's very interesting the theatrical version he is voiced by uh, Taichiro Hirokawa who worked on let's see he voiced Carlos in Ashita no Joe he was Captain Future in Captain Future he was also Sherlock Holmes in the Sherlock Hound series which is awesome he was Mamoru Kodai in all the classic Yamado series very nice. And he also, in the Lupin franchise, only voiced Lupin in this in this entry. So his, his involvement in Lupin wasn't too expensive. It was brief. It was very, very brief. Now that's quite different for the actor who voiced him in the standard TV version. In that version, he was voiced by uh, Nachi Nozawa. And he worked on him, um, uh, most notably, before we even get to his Lupin stuff, he's Cobra in Space Adventure Cobra. Nice. Which is pretty much just Space Lupin. <laughs> yeah. So, he kind of stayed on brand with that. And in the Lupin franchise, he voiced Crisis in the Dead or Alive movie. He was pi in Return of pi He was uh, Sato Chio in Twilight Gemini. He was John Claus in Voyage to Danger. And that's the extent of his involvement in the Lupin franchise. So he had, he had some more involvement here and there.
2: I'm sad that he only got... He, the few things he did get involved with one of them had to be loop on the third return of the magician uh, uh,
1: what a shame <laughs> i know i know but hey but he's I... space adventure cobra <laughs> hey he at least he has some redemption <laughs> of course and then we get to him uh, of course the funky dude loop on the third i like his mm, yes. uh his red jacket and leather gloves when he's driving, because he's just riding around in his uh, Mercedes Benz SSK, which is specifically pointed out to be a favorite car of Hitler's. Yep, that's it's an odd thing to point out. Uh, another another little tribute
2: to the fact that they're criminals. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a valid point. I didn't think about that. It really is. Of course, like of, of all the people to pick, <laughs> right? Of it's course, a, it's like you had to pick to like, the worst one. one of the worst people to ever
0: walk this earth. Yeah. And Mike uh, wasn't the uh, Walther P thirty eight, you know, also used by Germans in World War Two. It so. sure
2: was. It absolutely was. It, it was. was actually. It was actually intended to replace the Luger P o eight, but it never did I, uh, quite fully do that. Huh. But uh, it was. Uh, it was at one point a standard weapon for the German Army.
0: I believe the P thirty eight
1: again. Not good people. <laughs>
0: you no. Know, yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of have to wonder though about the, uh, you know, thought process of giving a, you know, Lupin the Third in these early adaptations, you know, Nazi equipment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: cars and guns.
2: But to be fair, this seems to be a running theme in this franchise. I mean, the upcoming movie has a Nazi treasure in it. It's it really
1: 2019, guys. <laughs> it's, it's a really odd connection with well, Lupin and Nazis. <laughs> well, I was say, I mean, mean,
3: that's kind of the point, because I like the whole vintage, right. like, style of Lupin.
0: Yeah, it's very vintage. Yeah. Very vintage indeed. Also, speaking of the uh, car, I noticed this is where the uh, the franchise's tendency to use a lot of real-world brand names. <laughs> yes, and, and, and objects, name. because like that didn't really happen much in the manga. You know, it's like, you know, Lupin just drove a car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't specified, it was just a car.
2: I think it had to do with um, uh, some of the animators who had a a real big... uh, One of the animators, I believe on the uh, pilot, had a big fascination with transportation and guns. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Right, because like, uh, I know that's also mentioned in the the movie program for uh, Mystery of Mamo.
2: Yes. Uh, Here it is. Yasuo Atsuka. Had left toy... T- toy... T- how you say? Toy? I think it's toy, yeah. Toy Animation to join Tokyo Movie as working on Lupin would allow him to use his knowledge and lifelong interest in guns and transport in his animation. He's basically the reason why these cars and guns make their appearance as is.
0: Oh, that's pretty
2: nifty. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So I wonder if that's also why, uh, you know, Jigen, you know, favors, you know, his magnum in the anime Probably. as opposed to just the generic... know, pistol he carries in the manga.
2: Yes, I would think so.
0: And also, uh, in my uh, notes here, I've mentioned that, well, I mean, I I guess it's a little bit later, but, you know, Playgirl is also mentioned, the magazine. Ah, yes. In Fujiko's segment, although the magazine did not exist in 1969.
5: No, it didn't. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, I I, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, not only do we have all these, you know, actual brand names and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, Mercedes-Benz, Smith & Wesson, you also have one that, you know, was included as a parody of a real brand, Playboy. Right. But later became an actual, <laughs> you know, thing.
2: Yeah, it, it's first issue date. Like, the uh, the actual Playgirl magazine came out in
0: January of
1: 1973.
0: That's so, a there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm assuming Lupin was not featured in it.
1: Uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> because, I,
0: because I know he's on the cover of the magazine Fujiko's reading.
1: Which is amazing. And it's really interesting how, like, these little segments are with the characters. Because it's like, there's the Lupin, the, um, uh, you know, we have the freeze frame. Then we go into segments, there's Lupin the Hunter. Yeah! And it's, yeah. Uh, what was it, the subtitle's like, only those who give chase can experience ecstasy like this. And then he this. chases a car down with a plane.
0: Which I feel like may be a reference to, uh, chapter seven of the original manga, which was mm-hmm. called Magician. And the English version was called "The Hand is Quicker Than the Spy." It's the uh, cow story, mm-hmm. ah, oh, because cause that one opens up with that bit of cow dropping from the plane onto Lupin's car. That's
1: true. And that is I'm,
0: true. And so I'm wondering if this bit in the pilot, and of course, you know, later the part one opening, you know, is a reference to that with the you know Lupin taking cow's place. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I I don't know if it's an intentional reference or not. Or
2: it could be, but to be honest, how are we ever going to know? That's true. We'll
1: have to go ask him. (laughs) But, like, uh, Lupin, of course, swoops down. And normally, you know, you would chase down, you know, a car. I I, I assume we chase down a car and just jump onto it. But no, he knocks on the hood of the. the, He knocks on the roof three times with the wheel of the plane. Yep. Just to, like, announce his his
0: coming. Yeah, which, like, like, I thought from an animation standpoint, that wasn't really necessary, but I kind of liked it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it, it looks cool. It's just like, you know. God, it did. Like, it's just
0: like, I'm coming. <laughs> of course, I also wonder if maybe that was, you know, like accidental on Lupin's part as well. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, there may have been just like a, you know, a, what they call it, secondary animation.
5: Mm-hmm. To, Could uh, have
0: been. You know, to kind of like sell how sort of sell how, uh, I guess, unprecise it would be flying a plane as you're leaving it.
1: What we're not seeing is Lupin on the cockpit, just going like, no, nope, come on. He's <laughs> like, nope, just, like, just, like,
0: just, like, just kind of like leaning out the doors, trying to steer it with his foot. Yeah. Checking, checking his jacket, make sure he's got the dynamite. Just trying to like keep a hold on things, just ever like barely. Anyways. I mean, it's funny because, you know, we're joking about it, but it's also perfectly in-character for him to do that.
1: It really is. Like, if, if it cut to, like, that shot, I, it would be very much on brand. Yeah.
0: Not course, surprising, but funny.
1: He hops on the roof of the car and uh, tosses a stick of dynamite in, and he's very happy to do so.
0: Well, you know, like I said, you know, these aren't these aren't good people, but no. they're cool. They're it's, really cool. It is really cool because there's you, that
1: It's that awesome shot of the car going off the cliff. It's just one shot, and the car goes off the cliff and just blows up before it before it even hits the water.
0: Yeah, and then of course you know the shot of Lupin jumping off of it. You know, got got redrawn for part one. Of course, It sure did. And and that became like the iconic you know part one image. I think like DiscoTech used on their re-release of part one.
1: They did. Actually, I didn't check into uh, that. Yeah. See, then we get to uh, the Lupin's fashion vignette. Uh, Ah yes. One of my favorite scenes. It's so good. <laughs> he's such a goober. <laughs> he really is. It just goes to show just how much of a ham he is. It really does. <laughs> of course, while he's being a goober, the the uh, the subtitles, you know, the, the narrator tells us he's cool, funky, and psychedelic as he's just strutting straight towards us. <laughs>
3: the- it reminds me of that song. That's the of uh, the English song that's like him being like in the perspective of Lupin being like, I'm a hero. Oh, oh superhero!
1: Oh, I'm a superhero! Yes. <laughs> oh, sweet. Someone needs to do an edit of this scene and put that. Please. That'd ah. be amazing.
2: <laughs> I might have to do that.
1: Oh, that'd be so good. That's <laughs> amazing. If we get him. Uh, what, what's he wearing? He's wearing a red jacket, a scuba suit, really, a really snazzy white and black coat. Oh yeah. And then what? I know it's not a onesie, but it looks like a onesie. <laughs> Like the, oh the yeah. the swimsuit? Uh, no, 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 not the swimsuit. the the, the yellow look, The yellow jacket. It looks like a it looks like a onesie suit. Like like a full suit that's a onesie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, now yeah.
2: Now I can't unsee it. <laughs> and then we grew.
1: <laughs> it has very high pants. That's why.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's a cummerbund. Oh, that's yeah. just the same the same uh, color as his pants.
1: Of course, right when he's wearing that, it says his unique designs of the envy of all young men. <laughs> I don't think young men were dying to wear that. Uh, hey, I'm, not even,
2: I'm not even going to tell you what the Kiss anime uh, tra- uh, translation of that is. It says, an array of custom looks gives young people hearth attack.
1: Hearth <laughs> attack? <laughs> Literally, hearth attack with an H at the end of heart. Oh, earth. you got to love secondary source translations.
2: Oh, yeah, they're wonderful.
1: What, so they're being
0: assaulted by a living room? I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
1: and of course, the last outfit is is his actual onesie swimsuit, which the narrator quickly's like, there's no need to show that, which Lupin just <laughs> covers himself up awkwardly. Yep.
0: The dude shows some modesty for once.
1: Just, just a little bit. It's not a ton. It's just a little. And then we've got uh, Lupin the Hunted. Which, if which, someone blows up a house? Yeah, we don't know who, but somebody does. I don't know who. I don't know who's blowing up the house. I don't know whose house it is. Is there someone inside the house?
2: According to this uh, kiss anime one, the subtitle is Lupin
0: or Lupin. Lupin is targeted. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Lupin gets killed twice in this, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, assuming he's inside that uh, cabin, I think it is.
1: So he's blown up. Yeah. That's
0: Nice. Yeah. and Then Fujiko. You know, headshots him later. Oh, yeah. (laughs) While he's driving.
1: I'm sure he made it. He was fine. Totally. (laughs) The the car broke his fall. (laughs) The car broke a few other things, too. (laughs) Yes. It broke his fall, but also him. (laughs) A few ribs. Then we get to the most iconic shot possibly in the whole franchise, which is... You got all the cops with their uh, spotlights firing at Lupin as he runs through the spotlight, which is a shot that's been recreated how many times now? <laughs> More I'm than just... I can remember.
0: Now, see, I have in my notes here that that may be a reference to the manga as well. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because there's a bit in uh, Chapter 12, which, according my sources, was called "Check Castle Collector. Mm-hmm. But the English version called it "Damned if you do. Where mm-hmm. uh, I believe Lupin's like, running up against spotlights as well. But, you know, it's... It's a uh, you know, sh- or it's framed differently in the uh, pilot film, but, but yeah, like I said, you know that, like I said, again, I don't know if that's intentional reference or not, but there you go.
2: I think it's safe to assume that any reference that's uh, even remotely close to something else is probably intentional.
1: Yeah,
0: I think you might be right.
1: Let's see, then we get him, um, uh, the Godzilla shot of Lupin. <laughs> he just like yes. looms over a massive city, and you think he's much larger than he actually is. Yeah, like, Lupin you know, the Kaiju. I want, another <laughs> edit. <on the> Kaiju. <laughs> I want another edit of that, that, just that little bit and just like the, the, the 54 Godzilla theme just like plays as My he God. slowly rises up.
2: I'm going to make a bunch of, a bunch of uh,
1: uh, edits like that. Oh, this would be good. I'm going to do it. Um, uh, we learned that he has an intelligence that rivals that of a computer, which I'm sure at the time was Pretty accurate. don't think you needed that much intelligence to travel a computer.
0: Well, well, I was going to say, you know, we get to see that in action later on in part one.
1: This is true. Yes, and then a little bit
0: of unten- unintentional foreshadowing.
1: Indeed. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> and then, as Lupin, we get back to G- Lupin, who's giggling with his drink. His giggling, oh, uh, kind of settles
0: down. Uh, sorry, don't mean to interrupt you, but uh. Oh, that's okay. I was going to say the bit where uh. He and a bunch of other guys are uh, planning the heist. Mm-hmm. As you can probably see, see where it's going, it's a reference to the manga as well. Uh, chapter 51, which was titled Mr. Psychedelic in Japanese, and What a Skull Wants in English. If memory serves, Lupin was uh, planning the uh, jewelry store heist that involved the uh, vacuum cleaner that we see in uh, uh, Strange Psychokinetic Strategy, Part 1 in Castle Cagliostro. That's the heist he's uh, planning in that scene. Oh,
1: yeah. Forgot about that, and, and I remember—I remember seeing that image. That—that that shot is lifted directly out of the manga. Yeah, it really is. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a perfect recreation of it. And then we have uh, Lupin enjoying his drink. He's about to take a sip, and then the glass shatters, and we reveal Daisuke Jigen
0: I think there's a uh, there's a bit there that uh between the uh, theatrical and TV versions mm-hmm. of the pilot, how uh you know before he goes to take a drink. In the theatrical version, he pulls the glass away from himself for a brief moment to chuckle some more, and yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just a little detail I liked. But
1: oh yeah, and it's like, missing from the sta- like. There's a few little moments like that missing from the standard version. Mm-hmm. Just just like little character beats that really matter. Yeah, they really do. And of course, in this, Dice uh, Jigen is voiced by none other than Kiyoshi Kobayashi, who I mean he has the only thing you really need to know about him is he's been voicing Jigen since 1969 since, and since his, this very pilot <laughs> and has continued to voice him with the exception of one OVA and that was Fuma
0: Conspiracy right, which we, which recasts everybody
1: yes yeah so he's pretty much a legend and he's pretty ha- much chicken. at this point he's been voicing the character for 50 years yep which is amazing, phenomenal, really. I, I it's something that you
2: don't really hear of. No, in most franchises, I think with the exception of like Mel Blank.
1: That's true. He fought like, yeah. he was there for a long time, and it's 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 interesting because you would think the older he gets, like, you his voice would be like you know less fitting for the character. Oh no, it just makes it even better. It's like, the more weathered his voice gets, the more, like, the more Jigen he becomes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know, even though, like, Jigen's, like, portrayed as, like, being young, he's always, like, old at heart. Oh, God, yeah. And, of course, we get his, uh, freeze frame where he's spinning his gun, which is
0: really smooth.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. You get to see his eyes a lot in this.
0: Yeah, definitely, which I think is also a cue they took from the, uh, manga a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. We get a whole segment detailing his Smith and Wesson revolver. A lot of awesome shots of him just shooting targets, which then transitions to him shooting a door. We get the POV of like some random thug he's just shot, who just bursts through the door and hits the ground.
0: Yeah, I feel like this pilot film is the it's the first time Jigen's been portrayed as a quick draw, sharpshooter. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because I mean, like you know, in the manga, you know, he has you know pretty good aim, but everybody does. Yeah.
5: You know,
0: but I think that this pilot is where they. You know, it's where they first like draw attention to that aspect of him, and mm-hmm. you know it kind of makes it a staple of the character.
1: And that pretty much becomes like just like a staple for his character as as like as the franchise goes on.
0: Yeah, I mean that's pretty much his, that's pretty much his main shtick.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like a lot of the character relationships in this pilot, they're not really well fleshed out yet. They're not quite where they be, you know what they're known to be. Right. Except Jigen. <laughs> yeah. much. He's, Jigen just never changes. No, he's the most on-brand this entire thing. Honestly. Which brings us to the next scene, which is probably the funniest part. I feel. Uh, yes. <laughs> trying to def- trying to defuse a bomb. His <laughs> sheer panic, <laughs>
0: Jigen's sheer panic is just hilarious. This is beads especially, of sweat pouring. Especially compared to how relatively calm Lupin looks. Yeah. yeah. You know, relatively, because like he's checking his watch, like I'm, like I do when I'm about to clock out for work. But <laughs> you know, he doesn't really seem all that frantic no. until they, until they take off like a bad hell running.
2: And then the explosion
0: <laughs> hurls. Oh him my
2: forward. god, that just looks like a monkey punch drawing right there. It, the it explosion.
0: Really, it really does. I can see it being like a, like a half page panel or something. Mm. It's right. Yeah, it's it's so good.
1: It really is. I love how, it, Of course, it freeze frames on that, <laughs> that <laughs> Down shot. to the
5: expression. You know, it's,
0: you know, like I keep saying how, you know, just trying to sell us on the idea of these characters being really cool, but then you have stuff like this. <laughs> you know, where you know where they can, you know, be a bit goofier,
1: right? It's that perfect balance.
0: <laughs> it really is. I think, like you know, tonally, I think this is, you know, I mean, I guess this is more like my thoughts on the pile as a whole, but I. I really like the way that the uh, you know action and comedy are balanced in this. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's probably one of my favorite entries in the franchise. Oh yeah. Uh, in that regard,
2: I can agree on that. Indeed.
0: Yeah, it, it it's got a bit of a darker tone, but it doesn't take itself very seriously no, at all. No, no,
2: not at all. Oh no, there's a distinct lack of seriousness. <laughs> yes. Right,
0: which I don't think we really get again until Strange Psycho Connect Strategy.
2: <sighs> which I can't wait to review oh, that that's one. That's
1: going to be fun to
0: cover. <laughs> really, it's a fun movie. It really you know, is. Yeah, you because know, that movie is just, you know, there's no action at all. It's just, like straight up comedy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But no. yeah, you know, but like I you know, I think that as the pilot film, yeah, you know, really, you know, strike the balance between those two elements really well.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are. It seems a lot of people are out to kill Lupin, and Jigen thinks it's Fujiko. He tosses a throwing knife at a curtain, and we get that's a that's a pretty awesome reveal. It is. Like he it throws is. the knife and it goes to the curtain, and she catches it with the card. And also, I think this, that's a pretty neat trick really is. And, uh, of course, in this uh, in both versions, Fujiko is voiced by Eiko Masuyama, who voiced Cutie Honey in the original Cutie Honey TV series. But she also voiced Fujiko until t- technically 2010 was her last special, but the- mm-hmm. she was also part of the 2013 OVA.
0: Right. Now, she wasn't Fujiko in part one, though, right?
1: No, that was a different actress.
0: Her, okay, that's what I thought.
1: For- I'm forgetting her name, but she also made, she made an appearance in part one in the... Uh, This episode with the cat and the jewel in its eye.
0: Ah, I love that one. That's a really good one. Did she play uh, Catherine? The Bride? Okay, gotcha. And we get another little
1: montage for Fujiko. We get to see all the cool outfits that we never see her wear again in the entirety of the franchise. (laughs) Speaking
0: speaking of Fujiko's outfits.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) One of them goes away rather quickly. (laughs) (laughs) When the tone shifts. Because it's like, you know, you got all this cool stuff. You got him up. Oh, even before that, you got her with the Playgirl magazine. She shoots through it at somebody. Yep. While having a very stoic grin.
3: <laughs> like, she has no emotions throughout the short.
1: She's very doll-like.
2: Which, I almost feel like that was very similar to the manga. It was.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, usually when a monkey punches female characters tend to show, you know, I guess, emotion. <laughs> you know, on their face, it's usually like a very extreme reaction. Yes. You know, usually anger or embarrassment, something like that. But yeah, most time, yeah, you know, his women were fairly stoic.
1: Yep. And then we, of course, we get a a good amount of psychedelic go-go dancing, which which look, the backgrounds uh, depend on which version you watch are a little more lurid. Because <laughs> <laughs> the theatrical version is just like I think it's just colors. Then in the TV version, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> boobs. <laughs>
0: It's almost like that bit from Mystery of Mama. It really is.
1: And it's, also, not, it's not animated either. It's like, it's people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Of real people. Also, I'd like to point out that, uh, that bit where she's go-go dancing is the start of another recurring theme in this franchise and that Fujiko cannot dance. No. Yeah. She, Fujiko never. cannot dance. She really can't. At can. all. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if that's, you know, an intentional character trait, but every time she tries to dance, it just looks awkward. Poor Fuchiko. I mean...
3: You can't dance either.
0: I, oh, snap.
3: Oh, she's, not, she's not
5: wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, I felt that one over here.
1: Honestly, that's that's like my biggest... like. That's, I, I relate to Fuchiko.
2: <laughs> Listen, same. And...
1: I see her dance and I'm like, ha, me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> same. This is how I dance. I throw my arms up
1: and then I put them back down. Exactly. <laughs> or if it's, it's, if it's the part two opening, I like stick my fingers up and just shimmy from side to side awkwardly. <laughs> uh, I,
0: you know, can't really. I'm more of the dance over here. So,
1: I'm not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll edit <up> that part.
2: <laughs> Can we talk about how some of the background images during that dance scene in this uh, goes from p- women's boobs to something else, then to motorcycles, and then just random images of random people? I don't know who they are. I mean, and then back to boobs. We always go back to boobs, and it almost looks like playing card artwork. But I know that's
1: not what it is. Mm-hmm. That that version is so strange with that dancing scene. Cause you're like, oh, it's the same. Oh wait, no, this is. Da- oh wait, <laughs> did I just see a boob?
0: <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, to be fair, you know, we do have, you know, the nineteen, you know, late 1960s going on. So yeah. I feel like some, you know, surrealism and psychic you know, a psychedelia and all that—it's—it's it's kind of be expected, I, yeah. I believe. Yeah. You know, oh, weird You know, weird for the sake of being weird.
1: And we get the now iconic shot of her riding in the the sunset on her motorcycle.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
0: Which I feel like Fujiko, being a biker, kind of started with this pilot as well. A lot of you know? things
1: did, I think, because
0: yeah. Uh, also, the the idea of Fujiko being a single person.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah.
0: I'm sorry, Jay. Didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
2: Uh you know
1: what, my train of thought crash, you're all good. It crashed with the bike. <laughs> Directly into Lupin's bathroom. Yep. <laughs> he's taking a bubble back. A bubble a, bath. A bubble bath.
0: <laughs> a bubble well, I, back. I, well, he well, is I scrubbing mean, his back. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that's based on the scene from the manga as well, although in the manga, I believe it was reversed. Like, a woman was of taking course. a bath, and Lupin crashes in through her bathroom window and into the wall while riding a motorcycle. Yeah,
2: that, that would not surprise me one very... gum brand.
0: Yeah, I I don't remember if, that, if that's that's exactly how it went. Of
2: course not. Me right. neither. I can't remember and I've read w- quite a bit of the manga myself.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I seem to remember that cuz like especially like the shot I think in like silhouette of Fujiko, you know, like getting some air on the bike. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I I think there was a similar shot in the in that manga chapter I'm Maybe thinking of where Lupin did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So really, the pilot, you know, was very was very good. at Fujiko, I think. Oh yeah. You know, it, I think I think a lot of her characterization, you know, that we know and love today, you know, came from this.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, of course, right after this, sort of, like charming, kind of goofy moment, she just snipes him in the head while he's driving, switches Mercedes, violently, just crashes off of a cliff. <laughs> but you know, it happens. Happens, He's okay. I mean,
2: life happens, I guess. And I guess so does death.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Very deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very poetic. I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, of course, we get, like, another little montage of outfits that she never wears again in the entire franchise. With some very strange anatomy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Especially with her in the bikini. Uh <laughs>
1: She does not look human. <laughs> People aren't shaped like that. <laughs> no, they aren't. And then, of course, the entire montage—it's nice and breezy—and takes a bit of a turn with the uh, manly shadow creeps over her. Yeah. Hmm. I
0: feel like that. I feel like that description doesn't help.
1: No, it doesn't, because that's when we get straight to the uh, the boob, two of them. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the, uh, the very uncomfortable reveal.
0: Yep. Which, again, kind of on brand for where the franchise was at, at the time.
1: Yeah, this is true. Manga, for the listeners who don't know, the manga, some aspects did not age well. No. No. Just a
0: few. <laughs> Although, and I always point this out, though, that I feel like Monkey Punch came to agree. Mm-hmm, he did. I think you're right. Because, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, Lupin forced himself on a lot of women in the original oh. manga series. But I feel like if you you know once you get into like the second series, uh, Shin Lupin or World's Most Wanted as it was called in English, you know you see less of that as it goes on. It mm-hmm. definitely you know, goes so,
1: down a bit.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you know Lupin's still getting laid quite a bit, but it's all consensual now. <laughs>
1: he's, yes, he's getting laid, but he's asking first this time.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, it's also a lot more vivid artwork-wise, but <laughs> you know, you know, quite a bit more explicit. Yes. You know, thanks, thanks to using the Mars and Venus symbols, but. Yeah, know, we can discuss that another time.
1: Uh, speaking of which, Lupin uh, descends from the ceiling and uh, jumps out of his clothes.
0: For the first time.
1: Yeah, that becomes a staple, except for uh, the only difference is he has boxers moving forward. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This one, he's naked and has what looks like a never-ending torso. <laughs> he's creeping towards <laughs> <his head. laughs> He has such a long like torso and he's like leaning forward. He really does. It's like they drew the top of his body, and were like, oh yeah, wait, there's more, <laughs> and we have to, keep it, and we have to keep it censored.
0: Also, I, also, can say I, I just love that that bit though, where he's like reacting to seeing Fujiko in the bed before he jumps out of the clothes. Oh, yes. oh god, yes, A goofy tongue face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hard to describe, you know, how he's moving, but it's it's so much fun to watch.
2: His little wiggling
1: motions, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't think he's quite like rubbing his hands together, but, you know, kind of getting, the, you know, you kind of get the same vibe from whatever right. he's been doing.
1: And, of course, before he can actually he, make his move, he gets a... A nice foot to the face. Yes. <laughs> a nice footprint left, too. And I love the
2: lack of eyes from the footprint. You yeah. don't see his eyes after he falls back.
1: <laughs> you don't see his nose, either. Nope. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> The girl knows how to kick. <laughs> really hard. Yeah. Kick your nose kick off your the face. eyes right off. <laughs> of course, right after this, it's revealed that the reason why Jigen shot Lupin's gun, it was poisoned by none other than Goemon Ishikawa. Who, uh, back to voice cast. Pull up these notes, because I'm a professional, I have all my tabs in order. Let's see, Goemon in the theatrical version is voiced by Goronaya who, if that name's familiar, he voiced uh, Zendigata pretty much from then on with the exception of the Fuma Conspiracy OVA. He voiced him all the way up until 2010. He was also <clears> in <into> the <throat> 2013 All-Stars OVA. Which is very interesting that Goemon is voiced by the actor who would go to play Zendigata. And Zendigata is voiced in the, at least in the TV version by the actor who would eventually play Goemon. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. you neither? That's pretty It's an interesting switcheroo there. It really is. In the TV version, he was voiced by Osamu Kobayashi, who voiced uh, characters in Legend of the Galactic Heroes. He was in Space Battleship Yamato. But he was also in um, uh, parts one, two, and three of uh, Lupin, just various characters. And uh, notably, he voiced President Carlos in the Hemingway Papers TV special. Oh. So, yeah. That is him covered. Uh, on is an interesting character in this. He is... He's very, very tan. Very, very tan. And also, and also a villain. And <laughs> and yes. Also a villain. He's pretty much the, the villain of this entire yeah. little pilot.
0: Yeah, he's probably the closest thing to a main antagonist mm-hmm. we get, aside from, aside from maybe he's in guy. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, of course, is a reference to uh, the uh, story arc from uh, the manga, where uh, Lupin and... Goemon were rivals. Mm-hmm. You know Lupin trying to steal uh, the alchemy formula of Goemon's master, and which uh, you know later becomes uh, Goemon's teachers as part of his training, trying to get him to just kill Lupin already. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you know they like a uh, you know the story arc in part one where uh, you know Lupin and Goemon meet, and then later Goemon joins the crew. That actually got stretched out quite a bit longer in the manga.
1: It's it's strange to see Goemon like. T- actively trying to kill the game, Yeah. Which, I mean...
3: He seems out of place, too. Like, when you see him through the window, it just looks like a different place from anywhere in the pilot.
1: Right? It, it kind of does, because what happened... You're right, because, like, when you see him, he's on, like, a rocky cliff, and then we have his montage, and then he cuts down a tree, and he's just there behind him.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> he just he's his teleporting going on. Well, maybe the montage is, uh, you know, kind of like a travel montage, so showing True. you how you, showing how you how he got there.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, because uh, uh, Lupin looks through a uh, he looks through a, te- glass, a, a telescope yeah. and sees right. him, and that's when he sees the rocky cliff, and then he's just at a tree. <laughs> Granted, we don't see the entire layout of the property, so maybe there's just a rocky cliff. <laughs> but still,
3: as you do. I love,
1: I love Goemon's montage though, because he spins around, cuts a leaf, and we got all these badass shots of him like doing all this cool stuff, but it keeps going back to him having cut the the leaf with this really goofy smug grin on his face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, because yeah, he's like grinning like his arms are across, I think. Yeah. Look at it's, this it's, it's... look at this leaf I have cut. <laughs>
1: Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> pretty cool. I did it with my sword. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awesome. We also get a Look how shot cool of cool I am. We we get a shot of him sitting under a waterfall. Usually he's in his, his it's just him and his fundoshi, but he's wearing his full garb. <laughs> just just taking a shower. <laughs> And we get a really dark and kind of, like, ominous, like, pan-up shot of this jagged cliff with these crows circling him. And, like, the, the sky is just, like, like a really weird tinge of, like, dark brown. It's really threatening. It really is. And, of course, the uh, the narrator cites him as, he's a lonely man who lived to risk his life in battle. So, that's interesting. And After this badass montage, we go back to the goofy grin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like Goemon's, you know, role here is interesting because, you know, since this was supposed to be like a, you know, proof of concept for a potential series, I wonder if, you know, maybe they would have adapted, you know, his and Lupin's, you know, conflict with each other. But I also kind of wonder if maybe Goemon would have joined the crew, you know, you know if the series had ever got going. Right.
5: That's true.
0: You know, and I feel like, you know, they were setting him up as a villain, you know, just to establish what the status quo was going to be for this first you know, potential movie. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's entirely possible that, you know, Goemon would switch sides later on. hmm Because, you know, he did in the manga, then he later does in part one as well.
1: It would be interesting to see that play out differently. Yeah. They might have stretched it out, like, even longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does.
1: And then, of course, uh, Goemon, after this whole montage, he cuts down a whole tree... Behind Zingaod and the cops, and nobody notices—not one person. <laughs> it just chops mm-hmm. a tree; it loudly falls, and they're all just looking at the house, like "Ooh, that nice house." <laughs> the
3: tree was there, and and it fell down, and everyone was there to
1: hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I guess that adds credence that if you don't see
0: the tree fall, you don't hear it, right? right. <laughs> <I'm not> sure. Squidman's <laughs> issue against trees. I don't because, because know. You know, like you know, he cut out like he was really proud of himself for taking care of that leaf. And then he cuts down the whole damn tree. So, i the maze working his way up he to hates a forest. The Lorax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, oh, okay. That's it. We're going to do at, later on at some point. We're just going to do like a deep dive into Goemon's issue with trees. We're going to tackle <laughs> this in a very special episode of the Cyber and Secret Podcast. <laughs> I speak
0: for trees. Oh, yeah, well, here's what I have to say about what you're
1: saying. <laughs> yes. Go to
0: Manishikawa, deforester.
1: <laughs> we get pretty much the only thing that vaguely resembles a narrative, which is the hideout showdown. It's a very simple narrative. <laughs> it's a Zenigata and Kogoro Akechi, his uh, sidekick, or his uh, his partner, I should say. Whom, uh, his voice actor in the theatrical version, he was voiced by Hitoshi Takagi. He was in Arcadia of My Youth. He was in the Galaxy Express 999 series. He was in the New Movement TV series. He was even in the live-action Lady Snowblood film. Also, oh, yeah, he's the voice of Totoro in My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> oh, which, but he never did any other voices in the Lupin franchise after this. It was just this one. Whereas in the TV version, he was voiced by an actor named Koichi Kitamura, he was in Ashton no Joe, he was in the 80s, the 80s Astro Boy series, he's been in Detective Conan, Dororo, Fist of the North Star, Gotcha Man, Ghost in the Shelf Standalone Complex. A lot, he's very prolific. Especially in the Lupin franchise, he was in two episodes of uh, Part 1, he's in 10 episodes of Part 2, two episodes of Part 3. He voiced the old scientist in Napoleon's Dictionary, he was uh, Buchu in From Siberia with Love, he was policeman Buru Tokari in. The Legend of the Twilight Gemini, and he was Tokarev in Return uh, Return the Treasure. So he uh, he's been in a few, quite a few, quite a few. Now Kogoro Akechi is an interesting character who never shows back up again in the in the anime franchise. Technically,
0: I mean, you know, this is his second and last appearance in the franchise period. Yep, because he right. appears as, he appears in the very first chapter of the original manga. It never right. shows up again. <laughs> And now he shows up in this, in the very first entry of the anime, and then never shows up again. Poor Kogoro. Wow.
2: <laughs> he sure oh, has cool. a reputation, doesn't he? He's a one and done kind of guy.
0: <laughs> he, you know, he's the uh, I don't know, starter character, I guess.
2: Yep. <laughs> I guess so. He's the tutorial level. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um,
0: and of course, uh, uh, he's a, uh, it's a reference to uh, Rampo Edegawa's character, Kogoro Akechi. Uh, you right. Which, uh, you know, uh, Kogoro Mori from uh, Detective Conan is named after him.
1: Yes. Oh, of course.
0: And, uh, which, you know, the original, the very first chapter of the manga was actually kind of a crossover between various uh, mystery characters. Because, you know, you have uh, Heiji Zenigata, Kogoro Keiji, and Arsene Lupin.
5: Oh, yeah. That's
0: true. You know, and, uh, I mean, of course, you know, Monkey Punch didn't really take the concept much further, you know, past that first chapter, but... Yeah. I wonder why. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I guess, like, it instead of being, like, a crossover, it kind of shifts into being, like, a parody of the Arsene Lupin stories. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, I mean, the first one is, as well. And then it just kind of became its own thing, I guess. Because it's supposed to be, like, a three-month project.
1: Right. Became a lot walk- more than three months.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fifty years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is three-month project. Fifty years later. <laughs> Fifty oh. years
2: later. Yeah,
0: you because know, you, know, you know Monkey Punch, you know he was, you know he did that a uh, special episode for uh, part five. So. Yes. So yeah, you know he, he, you know the maestro, you know he worked on the franchise, you know, you know for 50 years,
2: yes. on and off. Very dedicated. Yeah, he even had a hand in the pilot. Speaking of which,
1: uh, but then he he left when it became too much for him. Ah, that sounds similar to, <laughs> to another directing uh, experience he had. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
0: I would say it seems like it's like a recurring theme when it comes to Monkey Punch working yeah. on a Lupin the Third anime. He doesn't. It's like he's there first, and that's not a fan.
1: Yeah, which is it's, it's understandable because like he's used to being a manga writer. Then they're like, he's like, oh, I'm, just, I'm gonna be drawing. They're like, yeah, but you have to make these drawings move. He's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and also do an animation. You got a whole team of people yep. you know you're working with as well and
1: And you have to supervise all of them and make sure like it's all running to schedule.
0: Right, exactly. It's
1: understandable it was a bit overwhelming.
0: Right. And I can feel like with the uh, you know, Monkey Punch specifically, you know, as far as far as I can tell, he pretty much mostly worked by himself and I think he really appreciated the freedom that gave him. Yeah. Sure. Because you know, you read Lupin the third and, you know, there's all sorts of ideas that I feel like if he had a collaborator, may have told him, hold on just a sec. Let's right. see what he said. You know, and I mean, you know, it's not complaining because there's so many great things in there. Yeah. That, but yeah, I just feel <laughs> perhaps he may not be comfortable, you know, creating art with, you know, a whole team. You know, having to be responsible for other people besides himself. Of course, I don't know, I'm just hypothesizing here.
1: Yeah. Totally understandable. Uh, We have I any gotta they're just kind of, you know, staking out the place. Zendigata is, of course, using his megaphone to demand everyone come out. Uh, the police rush up the stairs. It was a really, really awesome shot. Or just, just an awesome moment when the cops are breaking down the door. And it just cuts to each one of the gang just grinning, waiting for them to come in. Because you know they've got something planned for them. Oh, yes. It's such a good moment. It really is. Just, of course, they burst in and Jigen beats the ever-loving crap out of a few cops. Oh, yeah. Like, like, he... (laughs) There's, like, a moment where he, like, just kicks a dude straight down a staircase. Yep. And, of course, um, uh, one dude almost gets a drop on him. Fujiko shoots the dude's gun out of his hand, and (laughs) Jigen... Jigen's expression. (laughs) He, like, raises one eyebrow, and his hat goes with it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And,
0: and of course, there's also a bit where Jigen grabs an officer by the collar and... Punches him. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. After shoving his nose in his face, <laughs> right. comes yeah, face yeah, forehead, to face forehead. with him. Just like gets right in his face and then punches. Wait, that's right. another weird edit in the TV version. It, they make it so choppy in the TV version. It's, it's like a shot of Jigen's fist, then his face, then the cop flying, and then back to Jigen. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I understand. Some someone was hit. Yeah, and that's what I gathered. <laughs> I heard a punch.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm piecing together some violence here, but I'm not quite sure.
1: Something, someone's being hurt by somebody. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's probably really funny if I could see it. And then, of course, uh, Jigen shoots down a chandelier and just takes out three dudes. <laughs> to which, of course, Zindigata hears this and is like, they got him. And a cop immediately goes, they got us.
3: <laughs> I love how he assumes.
1: It's, you know. it's like, we got him. We, we got him. They got us. It's just then, a cop just like wobbles out, mummified. Yeah. <laughs> Which of course, it's it's Lupin, but it's just funny He's like a cop. Just it's a mummified dude with a cop hat.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like I feel like a, you know, uh, uh, bandages and stuff like that were like a common, mm-hmm. you know, punchline in the in Monkey Punches manga. Yeah. So like, there's one bit of life where a uh, you know uh, a woman jumps out the window Lupon goes to give chase and as he jumps out after her he notices as he's in midair that there are spikes right underneath the window on the ground and so the next panel shows him sitting back in the hideout with his feet bandaged up <laughs> and so I yeah, I feel like the whole bit with the uh, mummified officer here was kind uh, a
1: a of
0: yeah, harkening back to that mm-hmm.
1: but of course after you know the cops are all beaten Goemon decides to step in challenges what appears to be Lupin. It looks like Lupin jumps down to attack him, and Goemon slashes him repeatedly and says, I struck home, but you're, like, but you're not Lupin. And uh, Lupin is uh, revealed to be just a random cop, who I'm guessing now has been murdered. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Basically.
0: I mean, Goemon's the bad guy here, so.
1: True. And of course, while this happens, you know, Goemon, I assume, is just left back in the house while <laughs> Kogoro Akechi comes with a rope. To Zinigata and explains how he's going to get inside. It's like, well, you see, I just throw this rope through this window. <laughs> he tugs on it, make sure it's like sturdy. And Zinigata's is just enamored. Yeah. He's like, well, what are you going to do you're... next?
0: And and like this whole bit, is like beat for beat from uh from that manga story I mentioned earlier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Except instead of you know Akechi, of course, it was uh, just some random cop.
5: Yeah.
0: And you know, just like in in the pilot film in part one Zenigata is you know oddly fascinated with this plan <laughs>
1: just you know, immediately you know, he's <laughs> like oh alright a rope
0: <laughs> yeah I, I wonder if that's why uh, you know Akechi was the, is the one to do it because it's someone that Zenigata trusts that's true yep yeah, you know it's like it's like okay hold on a second you know the old guy has an idea maybe we should listen to it as opposed to some officer just came up to me and said he has an idea
1: mm mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, oh, my colleague. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll attach the rope to this bumper. So <laughs> like, then, what? then I get in the car. <laughs> <and> then <laughs> Zindagoda runs with the car. <laughs> oh it's like, yeah! It's like, oh, what's next? <laughs> and of course, he's like, and then I reveals the mask. Which then Zindigata just stops in his tracks, <laughs> and is clearly not happy, but also just seems terrified. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Well, like
0: in the English version of the manga, for that scene, you know, you know, you know doing a whole back and forth. Like, and then what? And then what? Like, and then what happens? Lupin takes off the mask. Then we all get away. <laughs> and as Lupin's running away, the guy yells out, "Not again!" Yeah.
1: <laughs> I right, miss one in, in the theatrical version. It, the, the actor for the guy just he just makes a weird sound as the car's going away. You just hear like a
5: ah
1: <laughs> off in the <laughs> distance which so then of course uh, it's revealed that the hook that Lupin threw was attached to a very elaborate setup with some uh pieces of wood and a carpet <laughs> or is it basically. the is it the uh, the curtain I can't quite tell it might be the curtain who knows but all in all he basically created a kite like yeah, a, a kite that holds both the Jigen and Fujiko
0: Yep. and you know of course we get a uh, we get more insight to how this plan gets delivered to them in part one.
1: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: As, as well as the original manga.
1: And of course, Goemon sees this, cr- crouches down, throws his head back, and then just says, How mortifying. <laughs> ah, you
0: big baby, get over it.
1: <laughs> Lupin starts maniacally laughing again, drives through streets, and we, we, we end on a shot. Of Fujiko and Jigen falling off of the curtain.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that, the the little hat.
1: <laughs> you see, you see Jigen's silhouette and like his hat has left his body. <laughs> of course, they're pulling His hat has left his body. I love that phrasing.
2: <laughs> it's a part of him.
5: <laughs> it really is, though.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: It's like Elvis left the building only it's
1: Jigen's hat left his body. He's, he's hat his left... He says that every... He mutters that quietly every time he takes it off. The hat has left the body. <laughs> Lupin, <laughs> Lupin's like, what? He's like, nothing. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, honestly, I can kind of see him you know, saying something like that in the manga because there's like a running gag in the English version at least where Jigen is very protective of his fedora.
5: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, uh, like this one chapter where Lupin's trying to get Jigen and Goemon to actually... Think for themselves, and uh, Lupin's like, "No, no, we're not going to, we're not going to shoot anybody. You have to use this." Points to his head. Jigen's like, "I'm not taking off my hat." <laughs> <laughs> and there's a later when where somebody hypnotizes Jigen into uh, shooting himself in the face, which is done like you know Looney Tune style, where he just has like the ashes all over his face and all that. And uh, later the guy that does it says Lupin's like, "Tell Jigen I'm sorry about his face." Lupin's like, ah, "He's just happy, he didn't shoot his hat." <laughs>
1: You can't hurt the hat. Much what, it becomes like a running thing because like in Mamo, they're driving on the motorcycles. He will not let go of his
0: hat.
2: <laughs> God, the English the dub version of that, too. Oh, my
1: God.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you let that go, G? It's time you start to look a little hipper anyway. <laughs> like I'm going to take fashion tips from a guy who dresses like a circus ringmaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And then there's that one episode of Part Two where we just see Jigen lovingly washing his <laughs> his hats and putting them up on a clothesline. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> only for them all to get ruined. Of course, of course. But then, of course, we we end on that shot of them plummeting plummeting towards a f- just pavement, <laughs> and the end. The end. That We're is like,
0: all. Which like I feel like that gag with the you know Fujiko and Jigen plummeting like that. I can't see the anime, or I can't see like the end of the TV series or something ending on a note like that. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like that's another one of those little monkey punch like touches.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Even, even even though that didn't happen in the manga story that that, that the pilot is based on, but I, I really like to do it. A lot of monkey punches mm-hmm. stories ended on a uh, some kind of slapstick gag usually. Yes. And uh, yeah, I feel like that. I feel like the ending of the pilot kind of invoked that quite a bit. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember if it was mentioned at the beginning or at the end of the pilot, but I do like how it's mentioned that uh, the uh, report, or like the Lupin the Third Data report, is authored by TMS.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was cool.
0: You know, kind of playing with the fourth wall a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know we already said it once, but how, how do we feel about this?
2: I love it, personally.
0: Oh, yeah, I, absolutely.
1: Oh, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty great. It's such a good start.
2: I desperately wish they would bring back the stylized uh, character designs of this particular uh, thing into a future entry into this franchise. Oh, definitely. Because they're they're so loose, they're so they're so uh, energetic, rubber, energetic, yes, and they just they they're interesting.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean it's, it's like if you like free streaming at like any given point, you're going to find like you know, some sort of, uh, you know, odd, you know, frame, you know, like really cartoony, uh,
2: like a, uh, a a smear frame or what Mm -hmm. have you.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, going back, you know, what Jay says, like, uh, yeah, I think the animation is fantastic. It's, you know, everything's, you know, everything's moving. Yes. The characters have a lot of personality and, you know, the posing and all that. And it's just, it's just so much fun to watch. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, it's like, I understand. why the TV series couldn't do this? You know, they didn't have quite the budget, right? At the same time, like I really wish I could see more of this. Same, oh yes, please. Yeah, you know, there's just something about you know, you know, hand drawn, you know, you know, old school animation that, you know, I mean, you know, even with modern technology, I think it's kind of hard to pull off that same aesthetic that you know, old school, you know, sell and paint Right, right. And I feel like this. I feel like this pilot film kind of. You know, I, I, I forgot what was wrong with that. I like it.
1: <laughs> I Long like it. Long story short, we like this thing. We <laughs> like it. <laughs> Watch it, please. Please do. It's a. It's it's really good. It mm-hmm. really just, like, s- sets the tone for what what this franchise can be. Right. Hopefully with a little more direction.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> a little more plot, a little more
0: story. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, it was a proof concept, so. Indeed.
1: Right. All right, so after this, we're going to move on to our listener questions with a few from some of our wonderful Twitter users, and the uh, Oh up, boy. My, pull up my phone here. Oh, goody goody. All right, so our first question came from Ryan Gilbert at Slacker Rider, and he asked us which of the two versions of the pilot do you like most. Theatrical. Yeah, theatrical. Yeah, Same. Definitely it has there's little differences but like the backgrounds are more richly drawn right and it just there's the editing's better it has more time to breathe it's widescreen widescreen but
3: that's the reason it was edited in the first place for the standard version it's because the TV version was for the general audience
1: yeah it's
3: supposed to be fast
1: yeah it has to fit a time slot on the TV version Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, when you watch, like, for the TV, like, the editing, like, I understand, like, like the weird editing changes, because, like, it you, you had to be a bit more... Right. Grab your attention, pretty much, and, of course, fit the time slot. And also, to fit the 4x3 ratio. It's true. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, because yeah, the TV version, I think, feels a little cramped.
1: It does. It of, does. Because of
0: how it zoomed in with the painted skin and all that. And it- mm-hmm.
1: Pretty much all around, theatrical. We like the theatrical one better. I think we can all agree. Our next question came from Revugo at that guy underscore Hugo. He said, I kind of like this favorite character and why. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who wants to go first. I'll just state Lupin.
2: And I'm going to agree with Jay. I don't think there needs to be a reason. He's just one main character, best expressions. I just really like well,
0: his character. Well, you know, he's like what? You know, groovy, funky, psychedelic. I mean, what, what do you want?
2: That onesie. He's got the best fashion sense. Come on. Yes. He puts Fujico to shame.
0: <laughs> we didn't we, Okay, look, we we didn't need to see that. No, no, we, we, we,
1: all the outfits are fine. Minus that swimsuit. We just didn't need to see it. <laughs> what do you mean? The uh the that the gag. No.
3: It's because that swimsuit's the best outfit.
1: Ah, uh, that's what uh, it's too good for us to see. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: our mortal eyes do not
1: deserve to see this. In this pilot film, I'm kind of like stuck between picking my favorite characters, either Zinogada or Lupin, because I love Zinogada in this. I really, oh, he's really good. I love how just quick. I love how quickly angry, like how just mad he gets Lupin in the beginning. But I also love how like enamored he is with like, Kogoro's plan <laughs> at the end. He's like so excited to find out what happens next. <laughs> So excited that he's going to run by a speeding cop car <laughs> <laughs> just to ask what's going to happen next. And then what?
0: I <laughs> mean, okay. you, know, you, know, you also, also got to love how excited he gets when he thinks that, uh, you know, they've caught Lupin in the gang. Oh, we yeah. Got, <laughs> yeah, we got them. He's just so excited. How about you, Becca?
3: I mean, Lupin. I mean, yeah. It's a no-brainer. It's—it's it's, you say it's Lupin, a
1: it's like, th- th- there's like no contest.
3: <laughs> Although, I have
2: to say, kind of... I do like Jigen in this too. Though. Oh yes,
1: He's, yeah, definitely.
2: Especially his fighting scene, his mm-hmm. his little action fighting scene there. Uh, his animation in that scene was great, and his expressions mm-hmm. were just great. God, the Phenom- eyebrows, <laughs> the eyebrows. Opera- <laughs> <laughs> that just sells it all. It really
1: does. So I guess it's uh Lupin in first, Jigen in close second. Indeed, and then we have a uh, question from. Their username is in a different language that I cannot read, but their at is at 29 Olia. Oh, yes. I know that. They said, um, uh, what do you think about the unused plot for the unreleased film where Lupin just started his career and was a hippie? I think we mentioned that earlier, but I want to see hippie Lupin desperately.
0: (laughs) Shame. Absolutely. (laughs) I I think it would be kind of fun to uh, see how it differs from uh, what I was talking about before, his uh, backstory in the manga.
5: God.
2: Flower power Lupin would be fantastic. Oh my
5: god. <laughs>
1: yes. On too. Smoking weed. <laughs> no shoes. Long hair and a beard. Oh, that'd be so good. Do you think Do you think uh, Jigen would partake as well? Oh, you, like, with how relaxed he is, he, he hands has, down. He, I bet you he smokes some weed on the side when nobody's looking. Oh god.
2: It's, it's <laughs> It was a joke in uh, the the dub, at the very least, for part two. At one point, uh, Lupin made a mention of him smoking the the world's fattest doobie.
0: <laughs> oh, it was um Curse of the Jumbo Juju, I think.
2: You got it. That's the one. Booyah!
0: Nice,
1: Lupin <laughs> scholars. <laughs> <laughs> then our last question came from Lupin at home at xof underscore fgc. Uh, yes. They asked us, ranking your favorite movies slash OVAs. All right, now with this, we won't get into in-depth because that's what our episodes are going to be. Right. Just a quick speed round. And this is just the films and OVAs, so we won't take that long. Who wants to go first?
2: Any takers? I'll go first if nobody else does.
1: Take it away, Jay.
2: All right, my favorite film is obviously Mamo with Babylon as a real close second. And I uh, some of the OVAS uh, Operation Return to Treasure is probably one of my favorites. With uh, First Contact, a, a good close second. Mm-hmm. I do like the Fuma Conspiracy. Oh yes. Uh, in there as well. I just don't care for the dub, or even the original Japanese dub. I just do not care for them. It's
0: very <laughs> very <laughs> <fair>. sounds off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I pr- I'd probably enjoy it better that way. <laughs> How
0: about you, Becca?
3: Uh, I mean, Mamo is definitely my favorite movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Calyostro is probably second. OVA wise, Eternal M- Mermaid's a good one. Oh yeah. And then Return the Treasure is also really good. Yeah. Solid choices.
1: It. <laughs> it's hard. It's it's hard to not go wrong. It, it, it's there's so many choices out there. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chris?
0: Well, I think like Mamo and Calyostro are like neck and neck for me, mm-hmm. but I think I do have to give a slight edge to Calyostro because. I do think it's a better movie overall, even though Mystery of Mamo, I think it's like the Lupin cast in there, you know, like you portrayed perfectly. Um, so yeah, like I, say, I guess I guess Mamo, or I guess show first, Momo second. Um, let's see, as far as the movies go. Um, I've, enjo- I've enjoyed uh, both of uh, Koeki's films that I've seen. Oh, yes. Um, of, of those, I think Jenkins' Gravestone's my favorite, although I haven't seen Fujiko's Lie yet. Um, it's good. So I keep hearing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Um yeah. So, yeah, as far as the OVAs go, Fuma Conspiracy, uh, it's a classic. Uh, Lupin Family All-Stars. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought was that was really good for what it was. The so yeah, OVAs. There's also Return of the Magician, which does not make my list. <laughs> nope. I mean, I, you know, you guys mentioned some of the TV specials, and my favorite's still uh, Tokyo Crisis.
2: Mm-hmm. I do like Tokyo Crisis, too.
0: Yeah. Although... um Bye-bye Lady Liberty is is brilliant as well. I love that one. Mm-hmm.
2: Tokyo Tokyo Crisis was the very first special I ever watched.
0: Oh really? Yep. My nice. first one my first one was uh The Pursuit of Harry Mouse Treasure, nice. which I think which I think is underrated.
1: Agreed. Yeah, it is. Can't which I mean you know, that one.
0: <laughs> I mean like you know, it's got some pretty big flaws, but I think I, I think it's good that way the bad. Uh indeed. All right.
1: Drew, what about you? Okay, so for me, it's pretty much the same with the movies. My favorite is Mystery of Mamo, but so close behind is Cagliostro, because that was my first one. And, like, I can watch that movie so many times. It's so perfect. But Mamo edges out ever so slightly just because, like, the tone and the characterizations are so pitch-perfect in it. And for OVAs, Fuma Conspiracy definitely is my favorite. Um, uh, TV special-wise... It's kind of same as Chris. My, my favorite TV special is Bye Bye Lady Liberty. But second is definitely Tokyo Crisis. And let's see, a third TV special? That's kind of hard. Because <laughs> I really like a lot of them. Yeah, it's really hard to make a choice. Like Island of Assassins would be my third favorite. I really that's like that one.
0: one. Ooh, yeah.
1: Island of Assassins that's is solid. Course, it really we're gonna, is. We're going to cover all of these in greater detail.
0: It's kind of funny, though, the uh, huge uh, tunnel shift between your second and third favorite TV special.
1: Oh, yes. Very much. You got (laughs) Tokyo Crisis and then Island of Assassins, which is a weird tunnel shift because, like, first was Island of Assassins, then Tokyo Crisis came out almost as, like, a reaction to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not going to argue with your choices because, you know, all three of those are great. Again, it's hard
1: to go wrong. There's just a a few selections where you could elusiveness of the fog
0: stop <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i didn't even finish that one
1: i didn't either <laughs> i haven't gotten past the first 20 minutes of it
2: listen i watched it a couple of times i actually enjoy it i think it's way better than uh the return of pico
1: <sighs> that's not a high bar and i don't doubt yeah. it i i'd watch i'd watch elusiveness of the fog right now <laughs> <laughs> and i would be happy <laughs> yes oh that's gonna be we have such so much fun like stuff coming up because again we're covering one today that we all really really love yes but once we start getting to the more questionable ones oh boy oh boy this will be interesting to hear everybody's opinions yeah of course it'll be like fun to analyze you know what went wrong here <laughs> right but thankfully that's only going to be like two or three episodes because most of this franchise is pretty amazing. That's why we're doing a podcast about it. Agreed. And that pretty much brings us to the end of our episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us on, well, Twitter, at <laughs> Pod. And we're did also. Did anybody. Oh. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. I was going to say, did you want to do plugs at the end? Oh, absolutely. Everyone, plug yourself. Wait, wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hold it. Asterisk. Don't. <laughs> Don't. <a> good time. <laughs> Let's see. So, right, um, so, uh,
1: yes, go ahead and plug yourself, Jay.
2: Well, I'm at Lupon, loopawn l o o p a w n on Twitter, and you can find me on all other social media at various URLs and stuff like that. But most of it's all linked there, right on my Twitter. And Chris.
0: Oh, that's me. Yeah. um yeah, I'm on Twitter as well, uh, at uh, Dr. Furball. I also, I also have an Instagram with, uh, with that URL, and I also run a webcomic, weirdnacan.the-comic.org. And uh, every now and then I also run a uh, Tumblr devoted to the uh, Lupon 3rd manga at uh, luponmanga.tumblr.com.
1: And of course, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15 mostly just tweet loop on stuff and other things. How about you? Do you have any plugs, Becca?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find me at at introverted Becca, but I don't post on anything. <laughs> like, just find me. I won't post anything.
1: Honestly, that's... Becca's really smart because she, like, d- just doesn't live on Twitter. <laughs> Which is, yeah.
0: like, the healthiest move. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, Twitter's terrible. I don't... Re-
1: yeah. We're all, we're all like, you know, we're all wallowing in the trash.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're terrible. So, away. So, we fit in. I'm kidding. I love you guys. I
1: love you too. Oh <laughs> We all love you, Chris. Uh, you can also, I should have plugged this earlier. You can also find us at SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash LuponPod. That's where you'll find us mainly until I can find out how to put us on iTunes. <laughs> Yay! That'll take some time. But well, uh, with that, I'm Drew. I'm Jay. I'm Becca. I'm not. And I'm Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed it up. I'm sorry. We're keeping that in. <laughs> sorry. This is the ending. It's not changing. <laughs> and we'll see you next time when we cover episodes one, two, and three of Loop on the Third Part One. See you next time. Toodles.